Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Good afternoon. That's loud, huh? That's hot. Everybody knows we're here now. Broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. Let me make sure I don't blast everybody out of here. Let me turn Doc's microphone on so he can blast you out of here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome back to uh, downtown Joe's. It's our last broadcast from here, uh, you know, for the month. Because we'll be back in probably a couple of months. Hey, Colin, I think we'll be back here doing it again. Been having a lot of fun, so uh, come on out and join us while you still can. We're going to be here all evening long, and uh, we really have an all-star cast for you today. Because I got, uh, I got, I got Doctor Scott is actually back on the yeah. show with us. It feels weird. Little hiatus there. I mean, what the hell have you been doing? I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it just seems like it's always uh, apparently comes he up. had a little hiatus, which is some sort of medical condition. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a uh, different than hyenas, uh, by the way. I have that too. <laughs> it's good to have you back. It really has been a while. I think you were touring some like dental conventions. Oh, I was or something. off. I, I've been around here. There. What happens? I, 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 I haven't been around quite as much as uh, Sully there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, what happens at a dental convention? That's got to be a real party. Um. Yeah. That's yeah. That's <laughs> that part's not so much fun, but it depends on where it is. So you got to pick and choose uh, what's fun, what's not. Yeah. Uh, we went to uh, Utah. Okay. Did uh, a lot of skiing. So that's a lot, fun. Little, little dental stuff. We went to uh, the Sundance Film Festival for uh, a day. Okay. Over at Park City, that was just kind of an impromptu thing. That was pretty cool. Note to self: Doc didn't learn anything at oh, the sure uh, dentist I, I, convention. There some, I got some pearls. Yeah, I learned a couple of things. Did you get some new tools? No, no, I didn't do that one. Uh, that one's coming up in June, or May, I think. Okay. I'll well, welcome back to the show. Tools there. Thanks. It's good to have you. And then Jamil Zainashev is here today, helping us out because today we're talking about uh, specialty malts and adjuncts. <laughs> and uh, Jamil's kind of let's just call him the adjunct king for the night. Uh, sure. 
It's kind of an insult, really. But the I, adjunct I, yard dog. The adjunct. <laughs> and Colin Kaminsky is going to help him out with that. Uh, what we're going to do is let you know all about the difference between base malts and specialty malts, uh, and then how to use specialty malts and uh, and adjuncts as well uh, in your beer. And then Sean O'Sullivan's hanging out, too. We're going to get him on here to talk uh, a little bit later. He does not use adjuncts, but does use specialty malts. So we're going to talk about that in, in his beer. And uh, Oh, you do use adjuncts. Is that right? For bathing. He's oh, for bathing only. It's oatmeal so, bath. Uh, going to be uh, talking all about that. So we got an all-star cast helping us out doing that. Uh, I do believe the archive is running, but if not, Crazy Jack, I'm sure, will come through uh, so that everybody can hear the show later. Uh, which brings me to my next point. Um, Jamil, I don't know if you read the forum this week, but you were nominated as Drunk of the Week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> For the show that we did here. Bringing it strong, eh? Yeah. yeah. It was our first Downtown Joe's appearance, and uh, you were the official Drunk of the Week. All right. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations. I think it's the first time um, other uh, the brewcaster, other than Doc, has been drunk of the week. <laughs> no, that's not true. Daniela was drunk of the week once. I think I was. You were so. Uh, you're third. Oh, I, I have to say something. My my kids are playing their uh, Star Wars Xbox, and all I hear in the other room is dun 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 dun, dun, dun and in, yeah. in my head is dun drunk drunk the week. Is we've stolen that and uh, made yeah. it our own. Oh, it, it, I hear it every time. Of course, I'm in Perfect. the kitchen singing it. And my wife said, "What are you singing?" Nothing. <laughs> well, I've said today. I told uh, Sully before the show that I'd like him to be drunk of the week this week. So we're going to see what we can do about that. And uh, and he's already working on. It. Colin keeps feeding him uh, double IPAs, I think, uh, right out of the fermenter. Um, so, so Colin's helping out, and, uh, and and everything's everything's making it work. Uh, getting uh, notes already, Jamil. People are excited about the uh, the grain talk, and so someone wants to know about honey malt already. So we'll we'll have to throw that into the discussion. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of the different uh, different grains, and, and some of them will self convert, and some won't, and we'll tell you what that means, and and the whole bit. So it, it's probably going to be a long show, and uh, I guarantee you doc won't be sober at the end and i'm not driving home so you're feeling good <laughs> good <laughs> uh yeah and and that really uh, about covers it for uh, what we're doing today i do have uh, a couple of announcements to make uh, of course there are no telephones or skype working because we're still uh, remote broadcasting so you can't call in but you can join us in the chat room as always danielle is in there and uh she'll take your questions and pass them along next week we're back in the studio and it's going to be uh i'm excited about the show john palmer is with us doc yeah, nice He's coming up and uh him and jameel are actually going to hold the discussion for us and i'm not going to tell you what it is yet yeah i've already gotten questioned a couple of times on what that topic's going to be yeah we'll uh i'll let you know during the week i gotta wait and powwow with jameel about what i'm yeah, allowed your idea to say. of letting me know in the middle of the week is about sunday on my way over to yeah. your house I like you know, today i let you know in the middle of the show <laughs> hey, oh yeah by the way <laughs> uh so that's next week uh, back in the studio with john palmer and jameel's going to be there uh visit the brewing network store still got a few shirts left you need to buy them up so i can order more and sign up for our newsletter which will be coming out again soon and by the way listeners showing up here with their brewing network shirts on sporting them that's pretty good uh, even my own roommate won't wear his shirt but uh our listeners you guys are rocking it so i, I appreciate think he was that. too hung over this morning and find it he couldn't find his shirt yeah uh, barley wine festival yesterday oh. i was i was hurting the whole time and then colin took me back into the brewery after the free fm show and i hit the o2 bong <laughs> yeah it's basically like you just take his uh 
in a in a commercial brewery, some of you have, have probably seen this before, but in a commercial brewery, they do inline aeration. Mm-hmm. So you have this device, uh, you know, beer one, in one side, out the other side, O2 in the middle, aerates the uh, uh, the wort. Two inch tube, yeah, looks like a bong. But the whole, yeah, the whole the the interface, it, it, if you don't have tubes connected to it, it really hits just like a bong, right where the right the, the side mount where yeah. the beer should be coming out of. Uh, if you if you hook it up right, just O2 comes out of that. So I spent about five minutes back in the brewery hitting the O2. How are you feeling? I feel great. Yeah. I mean, it's really a it's a yeah. kind of a hangover cure. Well, that and the beer I pounded. I mean, those yeah. two, the combination yep. of the two, it's like. Uh, well, I, I, I recommend You're good. everybody. You're cured. I'm good. I feel fine. Well, good for you. I'm He's in remission. Like shit. Yeah, Daniela was angry because she didn't uh, get to go and hit the O2 bong. So I'm uh, real. I'm hurting today, and I only had three bongs. I think there'll be a yesterday. break coming up. Yeah, you have Colin take you back there at the break. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, everyone wants you to set up the O2 bong for the break, just so you know. So a little little heads up. Uh, but anyway, so I'm feeling good now. Not hungover anymore. Yeah, you look good. The Barley Wine Festival was was awesome, and um, you know from what I remember, and uh, lots of good <laughs> barley wines there. Uh, Jamil, I thought you were going to go yesterday. I was there. I I showed up uh, for the judging and, and did the judging, and then I hung out until about uh, I don't know four o'clock maybe. Oh right, and then he left. Well, considering I got there at 11, yeah, I think... Uh, you yeah. thought he left. <laughs> that was a fine, fine amount of uh, barley wine consumption. You must have gotten the message that I was going to be there right about 4. You know, I tried calling you earlier on, and, uh, you know, and I think Friday night we were hitting, like, Magnolia and a couple other places, and... Uh, oh, no kidding. And I tried calling you, and uh, you didn't answer, so you were probably, like, asleep. It was probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and... Ah, yeah. that's when you called me to come out. <laughs> hey, it's 2, we're going yeah, to Magnolia. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, yeah. go have some drinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do, actually, it's funny, uh, you guys might not believe this, but, uh... I am Jamil's drunk dial guy. Like, he drunk dials <laughs> yes, me. I, you are now. It, it would only be twice, but, <laughs> but that's correct. But, like, I'm the guy that yeah. when Jamil gets drunk and he needs to hammered, drunk dial somebody. Yeah. Well, you're one of the few people that he that thinks would, would actually be up. Yeah, and that'll answer yeah, his call. And, and uh, would accept a drunk call from me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're always quite pleasant. Because they start like this. I answer the phone, and it just goes like this. <laughs> he just giggles for like five minutes. He doesn't say anything. He just giggles. <laughs> That's they're, cute. They're really quite fun. <laughs> wow. Uh, so there you go. And uh, so you judged yesterday, huh? Yes, I did. What do you think about the winner, that Alaskan that, that won uh, first place in the Barley Wine Trust? Uh, you know, I had actually uh, the the uh, Lost Abbey uh, beer, which was second. I had that as first. Oh, you did? I really okay. thought that was head and shoulders above any other barley wine there at the at the festival. I thought uh, the others were quite, uh, they were good, but they were pedestrian, uh, you know, clean, well-made barley wines, but not a lot of character. And the Lost Abbey had so much complexity and so many great little things going on, and it was so drinkable that I thought it was it was flawless. Just a lot more oomph in, in the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it probably didn't have as much alcohol. It, it wasn't all syrupy like a lot of the others. It didn't rely on a ton of hops. You know, it was just a, a really complex, uh, wonderfully made beer with a lot of different, you know, fig and plum and treacle and molasses type of things going on. Okay. Really cool. Now, what about, there was a, there was a tie for third place, which I thought was interesting. Right. And I did speak to one of the judges. I was talking to Jay, and he said it was, because they just, they, they both had so many great merits. Right. Uh, so what do you think about the tie? Well, the Uinta one was actually, that one was... 
based on the judges, that one was uh, the the lesser of the two. Okay. So that would have gotten an honorable mention, but then we agreed to just go ahead and call Get it a tie. Inter. And we went to Uinta. That's yeah. one of the breweries we got to stop at yeah, on our way to Yeah, number 11 or something like that. Okay. Um, but I actually had the other one higher than the Uinta. <laughs> oh, is that right? I love the Uinta brewery and the people there, and their beers are great, but in this case, uh, i got to say I like the other one better. Okay. All right, fair enough. Well, overall, uh, I'll tell you what I thought. And by the way, the Toronado Barley Wine Festival really is a world-class you know, uh, yeah. festival. I thought the beers this year, and, and I would say my palate you know, was even worse than it is now when I was there last year. I wasn't that good at describing beers. But even with that, I think the beers were better this year than they, than they were last year. I don't think I had a bad barley wine. Right, right. They, they were really all so many quality examples. Well, that's one of the things on the, the perhaps that I liked about the uh, Lost Abbey beer was that on the final panel, there was a whole bunch of really, you know, clean, well-made barley wines. And, you know, really well-made, really big beers. Yeah. That, you know, they were all kind of the same. Sure. You know, There's a lot of similarities, and some of them stood out for having like bourbon in them and things like that. But you know, this one was u- truly different. It still met the style criteria, but was truly different and unique and unusual, and it just stood out head and shoulders above the rest. For me. Okay. Well, That's why I liked it so much. Fantastic. So uh, I think both of us highly recommend visiting the Toronado uh, Barley Wine oh, Festival. Oh yeah! If you ever get a chance, you gotta you gotta go. It's every year, every February around you know Valentine's. It runs it's for a week, the, and yet still, you know, if you didn't make it going. yesterday, you can still go. Yeah. And whatever didn't run out, it's still there. But that first day when they announce the winners, there's you know that's when the kind of party on the street is happening. And yeah, it's it's really you meet a lot of people who've flown in from around the country, a lot of judges and brewers and such that they come out for it. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So uh, check it out next year or just go down and, uh, and and drink the rest of the barley wines this week, you know, if you, if you missed it. All right, let's get on to some feedback. I did get a lot of letters this week, as usual, Doc. No um, music. No music. I, I don't have my whole music set up. So I have Daniela's music. That's all I have. So when we Yay. get to uh, Daniela's World Vigorously here in a sec, we'll do that. Uh, interesting uh, piece of feedback I got, Colin. You'll be interested in this, too. So the first show that we did here from Downtown Joe's when, when you were drunk of the week, Jamil, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of kept saying during the show that I, I had chosen that topic, that specific topic, because I didn't think we'd get too scientific. And I and I wasn't concerned about our listeners at home. I was concerned about listeners here at the bar. I didn't want to put anybody to sleep at the bar, right? So I made several comments during the show about I didn't realize this was going to go into rocket science. But with Colin on the show, what are you going to do? Uh, well, so I get a, a little bit of feedback about it, and he's and he kind of he says to me he's almost angry at me. He says, Justin, for your information, it starts. Uh, I'm one of those that really appreciate the technical discussion which occurred on the last podcast regarding fermentation vessels. He says, I suspect that there are more like me than you think. (laughs) And that this is one of the few podcasts that was not boring for most of the three plus hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and fair enough. I, you know, uh, everybody is in, entitled to their opinion, and I respect all of it. Um, as I've said before, our show is not for everybody. But I, I, I just do want to point out, I didn't mean to insult the folks that were into technical discussions. In fact, I love having those. All, I was only talking about our live audience. When you come out and you do a remote, you have two audiences. You got the one at home, and you got, you know, like Colin right in front of us. He's our audience today, uh, and, <laughs> and it's different because people at home can can hang out and, and have a beer and and get his. his scientific as we want and it's all great but when you got people here that are literally pulling up sleeping bags onto the tile floor in front of you 
uh, it just becomes uh, it's a little more difficult. So I didn't mean to offend anybody who loves the uh, technical discussions we have. I like to have them too, especially <laughs> when the people having them and are drunk as chewing gum and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I like when we talk about you know gum and dumb stuff. So uh, that was from Fred. And, uh, yeah, I know Fred. Fred actually emails <laughs> yeah. me uh, yeah. uh, fairly frequently. Uh, About how great your show is and how crappy mine is. <laughs> no, he, he tends to correct me as well. Uh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Fred's a real technical guy all the way around. Yeah, none of us can live up to his standards, <laughs> I think. Well, thank you for the feedback, Fred, and I just wanted you all to know I didn't mean to insult any of you uh, techies out there. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's another one about the fermentation show. Hey, Justin, I just got through listening to the fermentation vessel show, and he says, I was wondering why there were no comments regarding the better bottle carboys. He says they seem to work fine and don't have any issues with breakage. Is there a reason that they were not discussed? And he says, enjoy the shows no matter what everybody else says. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's like saying, Doc, you're a good guy. I don't care what your wife says. <laughs> Nobody uh, does. Why didn't we? Do- I, don't need- I don't know anything about the better bottle well, carboys. You know, essentially... You know, it, it's got the uh, you know benefits. Uh, supposedly, the benefits of a carboy uh, with the benefits like of a, benefits of a you know a bucket, but a, a non-permeable the, the, plastic. The, the, I think the drawbacks. It's got the drawbacks of a plastic bucket and the drawbacks of a carboy, <laughs> like all so, rolled into one. Yeah, it's you know very difficult to clean inside because it's a small opening, and so if you're you know you can use chemical means, but then if you need to do any brushing, you scratch it up, and you know because it's plastic, and then it's a hard plastic. But yeah, I'm not I'm not really convinced. So I I kind of. So we just kind of left it out. Okay. Well, it wasn't. I don't think it was intentional that we didn't talk about it. I just think that uh, we we came up with the three most common categories yes. and and wanted to just make sure we cover those. And I mean, Colin and Jamil had bloody noses at the end of the show. We didn't want to throw in another. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who like the better bottle, you know, and if they're if they're enjoying them, that's great. Good yeah. for you, then. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, last piece of feedback before we get on to Daniela's world vigorously. Uh, Doc, you can help me out with this one because it was about our decoction brew that we did. All right. The guy says he wants, he needs a, a very basic dumbed-down description. So maybe you can say it and then I'll translate it to idiot uh, for him and me. Uh, but he wants to know, when we say thick part of the mash, is that the grains, the liquid, and everything? He says, I know it's something simple, but I can only read about this stuff. And since the BN is, is my brew club, uh, I figured I'd, I'd start with you guys so he's he yeah says, basically pour the pour, pull the porridge out of the bottom and don't just skim it off the top where you're skimming off just liquid so really get down get into down the heart there, of it. yeah and what we did too and i remember doing this because doc had me do this part because he's a lazy ass and uh, <laughs> i was busy doing lots of other things <laughs> but people that drink entertain what we kind of did was exactly. we just took like a a regular like a soup pot is what we were using kind of a deep soup pot and you scoop out the mash and you can kind of hold it up against the side of the of the mash tun and trying to strain out some of that water, keeping yep. the grains in the... Now, we did transfer some water. We didn't right. need to be bone dry, but we did go for, I would say, two-thirds grain and one-third yeah. water. It was definitely porridge-like, and yeah. not, not soupy. So that's what we're talking about when, we, when we're talking about the thick part. Like Doc said, don't just skim it off the top. Get in there, uh, strain it a little bit against the side, and, and put the, the real thick grains and some of the uh, wort. Right. And that, and that should do it. It should be real difficult to stir. I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I got pictures of him with this strained look on his face. Like, am I done yet? Yeah. And I was like, I'm fine, Doc. Don't worry about me. Uh, but, yeah, once you get all of the, the mash in there uh, to your other vessel where you're going to heat it right. up again, it should be 
pretty thick and kind of difficult to stir. That, that'll t- that'll right. help you gauge whether or not you've put enough of the actual grain part. So you were having difficulty working the thick part? Is that <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you were straining? Well, I was having difficulty working the stick in the thick part yeah. is what uh, was kind of the problem. Thank you, Jamil. It was too stick, thick for <laughs> stick. Yeah, exactly. I've never had that problem before. And with that, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the Brewing Network Sunday live show. Chicas music. Daniela's World, Vigorosely. <laughs> Oh, I haven't heard this song in Isn't so long. Isn't that so awesome? What's happening in Daniela's world this week? You know what? It's a sad world this week. Is it? The beer king is dead. Ah, that's true. I did, I did read it. And actually, on a serious note, yeah. Um, I'm serious. He's yeah. known as the. Uh, do you know who the beer king is? Have you ever heard? This? I, ju- I just was reading about it. Okay, yeah. go ahead, please, Danielle. So on February 10th, Alan Eames, the beer king, or also known as the Indiana Jones of beer, passed away at age 59 in his sleep. Mm-hmm. Eames was a cultural anthropologist. During his lifetime, he wrote four books, one of them being the Secret Secret Life of Beer. Has that's the most popular. That's one. the most popular one. Anybody ever read that book? Colin, Colin? you know this book. It's really it's it, Sean O'Sullivan's read it. Nobody even who would have thought Sean can read. Uh, for <laughs> one. <laughs> a whole book. Uh, it's an interesting book because the Secret Life of Beer is about uh, what it meant. You know, it goes all the way back to like the beginnings of beer, and not just it as a beverage, but what it meant to people and and, and its use in rituals and in, in exactly. religion and the, uh, really a, f- a fantastic. book. It wants to explore Any the references to Augustina Verona. <laughs> I'm sure she's in there somewhere, Doc. <laughs> no, it really it explores the role of beer in ancient societies. What the role of beer was. Yeah. So in his research for his uh, four books, uh, Eames traveled from Europe to Africa and South America. Now, during one of his travels through South Africa, Eames tasted a rare brew in a very small village just along a river somewhere, mm-hmm. which sounds creepy already, but yeah. okay. Small villages on rivers. <laughs> in South Africa. Yeah. So Eames felt that the dark brew was the best beer he had ever tasted in his life. Mm-hmm. Now, when Eames asked to meet the brewmaster, supposedly a village grand father, the woman who was serving the beer just started laughing. She just started cracking up. Translator told Eames then afterwards the beer wasn't made by the grandfather. It was made with the grandfather. Of, of the grandfather, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So they actually put his like parts in there? Yeah, the bones. They crush his bones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They put Granny's cremated bone fragments in with the rest of the ingredients yeah. and just made the beer it's, out of that. It's supposed to be a way of honoring the elders. Rest assured, Doc, that when you die, we'll make beer. We're, we're going to make beer out of you. We'll make beer. Serve yeah. it out of your skull. <laughs> yeah. And I'll age you. I know you're a big proponent of aging the beer. We'll go ahead and keep you around for a few weeks. Good. I want to do a quick poll. Who would drink that if you would know? All right. Uh, uh, of, of the listeners with us, would you drink a beer made out of Doc? Anybody? Any Collins. Collins yeah. in. Sully's in. All right. Not even Crazy Jack, huh? You wouldn't uh, You wouldn't try it. <laughs> I think in. I couldn't do it either. It's too freakish to me. I totally do. Oh. Oh, come on. You really would oh, do you, it? You'd yeah. do it. Yeah, please. Come I'd on. You're it's so beer. afraid of everything. You wouldn't do it. No, but it's boiled and stuff. It's fine. <laughs> it's Colin is just laughing at you because <laughs> you're so dumb. I can see Justin saying, you know, like, it's got his brains and his guts in there. Ah, oh, yeah, that would freak yeah, you'd me out. you be gagging. I'd have to not think about it. I'd go, hmm, tastes like Doc. <laughs> How would you, you know? know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Huh, that's weird. No, anyways, another astonishing discovery he made uh, on one of his travels was that the classic tribal brewery was just a group of uh, women sitting together in a circle, chewing grains and spitting them into a pot. Yep. To make a fermentable, fermentable mass out of it. Yep. Now, yeah, how gross is the that? The enzymes in the saliva break down the starches and make them fermentable. And, and they eat in the wild yeast in their mouth on top of that. Uh, isn't that, like, dangerous? Well, it's supposed to be pretty good. No. Wasn't that in a Sean Connery movie once? <laughs> I think it was. There was all these ladies standing... Medicine Man, that was the movie. And they were all standing around a pot spitting in it. That's and he was drinking it. That's what they make beer out of. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be sick right now. I'd rather drink <laughs> Doc beer, I'll tell you that. Depends on what the women look like, I think, you know. Yeah, they weren't. If you had a bunch attractive. of Daniela's standing around spitting in a pot there, Ooh. you'd drink it. No, I still wouldn't. That freaked me out. <laughs> he doesn't even kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's okay. He, he makes up for it. She has to put a plastic cover over. <laughs> it's very strange. So as a person, Eames won, uh, was known to be a walking, and this word is tough for me, encyclopedia. Encyclopedia? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's a new one. How do you say it? Encyclopedia. <laughs> mm. Say that more vigorously. Yeah. Next next week's show is Daniela's World Encyclopedia. Eames <laughs> oh. was known to be a great researcher, always curious of the world, and a strong boxer, too, so he was physically a very strong man, too. One of his friends said about Eames after he died... He was the luckiest man. He had a wonderful life. Yeah. I want somebody to say that about me, too, when I die. Well, you got to be lucky first. I know. I, he got to travel around the world kind of researching beer and where it came from and trying... That's pretty lucky. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. It's sad, and he, and he was young. Well, how old is he? 59. 59. He died of um, respiratory illness. He was a heavy smoker. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's got to quit smoking Everybody out there. Everybody's got to quit smoking. Pointing the fingers around. <laughs> everybody's smoking. So this was my tribute to Alan Eames, the beer king, who unfortunately passed away. Um, now, what I also want to mention, okay. in Germany, it's fishing right now. Oh, I love fishing. <laughs> <laughs> she said farting. Oh. Fishing is the, too. I would say, I would describe it as maybe the retarded Brazilian carnival that's going on in Germany, but it's a hell of a time actually. Okay. Um, we t- Tomorrow there's going to be Rose Monday, as we call it. Tuesday is going to be uh, Carnival Tuesday. And then on Wednesday we have the sweep out. And Wednesday is actually when the 40 days of fasting start to Easter. Ah, so we call it Lent. Or whatever you yeah. call it. Whatever you want to call it, I don't care. We it's my it, world. We call it the 40 days fasting till Easter. <laughs> <laughs> it's very catchy. It's, yeah. ve- it's very important in uh, not only in the Catholic religion, but throughout Europe, actually. It's quite an important time. Uh, a lot of people in our day still do it. Um, not as strict, but, you know, they, for example, say, I'm gonna, I'm not going to eat candy. I'm not going to eat meat. Whatever you really like, you're just going to try to give, give up, up something. I'm going to give, give up, up strippers beer. this no. year. <laughs> At least in your home. You're too poor for strippers, anyway. That's why I'm giving them up. (laughs) So, uh, what what you definitely don't want to give up, though, in the 40 days of fasting is drinking beer because if you don't have the nutrition coming through food, you gotta drink the beer. Yeah. So, fasting is going on a big, big time in Germany, uh, especially in the regions of Cologne, around Cologne and Düsseldorf. A lot of parades going on, a lot of people on streets just drinking. Uh, The Rose Monday and the Fasting's Tuesday are not official holidays in Germany, but the employers just have learned over the course of the years that nobody shows up. For work anyway, so they just. I was going to say, do the kids get off school for that? They, uh, they do actually, because you know people just have realized that it's um, unfair if you have to show up for work because you're going to be hammered anyway. So people yeah. called in sick. See, why don't see in America we you get fired for that? Yeah, like we don't respect the hangover. We don't have a hangover holiday. <laughs> respect right. the hangover. You well, need the, to respect the hangover. The government doesn't respect the hangover in that matter either. So it's never been declared an official holiday because we have so many already. So what are they yeah. going to do? But the companies acknowledge it. Okay. So hell of a time in Germany right now. Happy fushing, everybody. Drink till Wednesday. Fantastic.
Dustin. And that is Daniela's World by Garosa. <laughs> Somebody sent me a translation of it. Did you get that? Yes. I, was, I used to actually know all the words. Yeah, but that's like, incorrect. Yeah, I don't think it's right either. It's a good song. All right, everybody. You're tuned to the Brewcast, and uh, we got a lot planned for you today, so we got to get to it. Uh, we're going to take a, a real quick break. But today we're covering uh, specialty grains and uh, also uh, adjuncts. Uh, a lot of people think adjuncts are evil, but they're not always. And we're going to no, talk about uh, the no. proper use of them. And uh, Colin Kaminsky, Jamil Zanishef, Dr. Scott, and uh, Sean O'Sullivan are all going to help us out with that. So uh, hang in there. We're broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. Come on out and have a beer with us because we're not going to be back here for a while. And we're here till about, oh, 8, 9 o'clock. Who knows? 10, 11. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Back. 
hear you, sir. Say it again. Put your hands on your hips and follow the fans. You know I fucked your sister in the back of my van. Put your hands on your hips and follow the light. Sir, I just want to go home tonight. Dang, you lie too. Don't you think about it. Might as well try. Cold ain't short night, fourth of July. Told you once, told you twice. Drinking and driving is a bad man's life. Told you once, told you twice. Drinking and driving is a bad man's life. Told you once. Told you twice, drinking and driving is a bad man's vice. Did you know that not only can you order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Look for the all-new More Beer Monthly podcast at morebeer.com later in January. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear coupon codes during the podcast to save you money. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. And don't forget to check in later this month for the new More Beer Monthly podcast, a production of the Brewing Network. Listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, and we're back broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. It's the Brewcast, and uh, I want to thank everybody for coming out and uh, welcoming us here over the past three weeks. I want to give a special thanks, and I, I haven't done this yet, and I, and I wanted to make sure that I do it. I'm probably going to do it several times tonight because uh, I want to make sure uh, that they know. But the staff here at downtown Joe's has been awesome to us for, for three weeks in a, in a row now. Uh, and not just Colin Kaminsky, but uh, Casey has been our official server, uh, and, and he's been great to us he takes really good care uh we want to thank him our bartenders uh patty and and reina have been have been awesome to us and uh please make sure that you tip these people they're really a great staff and it's serena's been here tonight as well it's kind of a big pain in the ass to deal with a, a big group coming in like this, and uh, and they've been just great to us too. Selena's the other one, is that you Serena? Said? Serena, okay, yeah. yeah. Big thanks to just to everybody because you guys, you guys have been just awesome. So wanted to say thanks, and we'll do it again later because the drunker I get, the more I like to thank people for thanks. So uh, and grow, <laughs> and grow. I'm glad I'm at this end. Now, that's kind of how I thank them, Jamila. Thank them with groping. So. Uh, Anyway, there you go. Good to you, anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So we need to get into uh, our official uh, topic.
topic uh, for the evening because uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a long one. There's really a lot to cover, and I want to make sure that we do it thoroughly so that, uh, uh, you know, so that we don't have to answer questions for the next six weeks, basically. So let's well, we will do, anyway. Yeah, we will. Uh, but I want to, uh, what we're going to cover today is uh, uh, specialty grains and, and adjuncts. And uh, we're going to do as thorough a job as we possibly can so that at the end of this discussion, um, not only do you understand, you know, the difference between these two things, um, but uh, how to use them as well and how to use them right. And and Doc's real good at uh, using adjuncts, so he's going to help us out with that and using them properly. Jamil's real good at using specialty malts. And, uh, well, Colin's just good at everything. So uh, he's going to help us out with all that, too. Real quick, before I do it, because we just finished this up uh, yesterday. Danielle and I did a final tally and sent off uh, our, our check. I want to cover uh, Linda Stark just really quickly. Um, our fundraiser has uh, has ended, um, although if anyone wanted to donate, we, we, we'd be happy to keep sending sending it her way. So uh, don't be afraid to hit the donate button if you wanted to. But uh, we just want to say that uh, the listeners and our sponsors as well, uh, the 21st Amendment, Beer, Beer, and More Beer, and HCA Industries, between all of you guys, those sponsors and the listeners, you raised over $6,000 for Ooh. for Linda. We sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the exact amount was $6,125, something right in that ballpark Great. Um, that, that we sent. And it, really an, an overwhelming and generous response from you folks at home and from our sponsors. So I want to thank everybody. And uh, we did, like I said, send that off to Linda. And... Um, She'll be getting it soon, and her family and her can can choose whatever they need to do, uh, and hopefully get better. Daniela, uh, I also want to say regarding this topic that, of course, you have been in touch with Linda's family and people who were organizing the fundraisers, and they just sent us a, a card yeah. last week with just the sincerest thank you um, from her and her family. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 we, you know, of course, uh, you know, just let them know this was our, our this was the work of our listeners and our sponsors, and you guys really coming together and doing that. So. Uh, Thank you to to everybody, and I just I wanted to kind of uh, uh, just wrap that up and make sure you all know uh, how much your your efforts did. Uh, and speaking of good efforts, Casey's bringing us beer, which uh, you know you, you really couldn't do a more generous Tom thing, Jen. Casey. Thanks very much. You, sir, are the kind of people that makes this world a better place. <laughs> you like I just did that all in one like breath, yes. like it was all the thank you. All right, let's start talking about our topic of the day, which is uh, specialty malts and uh, adjuncts. And what I want to do is is first describe what a base malt is because there's a lot less base malts than there are specialty malts and I think it'll help us figure out once we know what the base malts are that pretty much everything else is either a specialty malt or, or an adjunct. Am yeah. I am I right in that? It's, it's a good idea to start with the base malts anyway. So let's go let, let's go over what uh, what well, uh, constitute base malts. Even though there's a lot less uh, uh, base malts around, they're also the most important part of the brew. So I might use 90% base malt in a brew and 10% specialty malts and get a stout. Um, but it's the base malt that makes up the workhorse of the brew. And it's the specialty malts that make up the flavors and the accents of the brew. Well, and, and here's, here's a quick definition of a base malt. Anything that will self-convert. Okay. So it's got the enzymes to convert the starches in the malt to sugars that your yeast can ferment. So we're talking so about that's mashing. It, yeah. it, basically in mash, it, when we when we do the right. the mashing, if it has these enzymes to convert itself, right. it's a base malt. So and if it can self-convert, you can consider it a base malt. And what DP do you call that? 
Well, and it just depends on uh, you know how long you want to wait, of course. But um, I, my know, personal definition is that thirty DP. There, there are, uh, what is you know, DP? For example, uh, 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 what is it? Di- diastatic power. Okay. There are uh, malts like uh, you know some people uh, have brewed you know uh, a, a beer from all aromatic malt or you know there's there's these malts that will convert. And uh, <laughs> if you wait long enough, <laughs> uh, not too long. Yeah, they're, they're, Two, they're three not hours. Bad. But um, you know, the, so it, essentially, you know, I, I would think that's a good, a good, uh, you know, uh, measure of what what you could consider a base malt. Some are not quite as common, but uh, you know, the the common base malts would be your two row, your your pilsner, your uh, you M- know, Munich uh, and uh, kind Munich, of Munich, uh, Vienna, Vienna as well. Yeah, um, you know, even uh, wheat malt will uh, convert itself, but uh, so you know, those are considered, you know, kind of your general base malt. So, what's your workhorse? Is where you're going to get most of your fermentables from? Uh, okay, where you're going to get most of your sugars without the accents or anything else? And a lot of beers. I mean, some some excellent pale ales are entirely base malt, right? You don't yeah. always have to add specialty grains sure. to, to spice up the beer. You can do that in other ways. Well, and especially yeah. a lot of the uh, pilsners, uh, you know, especially the German pilsners, European pilsners, those are all generally just base malt, just a, a pilsner malt. Okay. And uh, only in this country do we add, you know, like rice to the pilsner malt and yeah. thin the beer out. And now this was really part of, of reading about these malts that, that I found the most interesting is the, the conversion that takes place and whether or not the grain can convert itself like you're talking about or whether it can't. And it's interesting because the specialty malts that can't convert themselves doesn't mean they're not going to be converted. You put them in the mash with grains like two-row or six-row or something that has all the enzymes to do conversion, and they'll go to work on those specialty malts that can't convert themselves. Right. right. And I thought I thought that was a really interesting thing and, and kind of a good way to help understand uh, why you need these enzymes and how certain grains have them and, and certain ones don't. Yeah, there's more than enough enzymes in most of them to uh, do a conversion of... Your average load of specialty malts. If you're doing a high adjunct beer and you, you're putting in, you know, 40%, 80% corn or something right. and you expect, uh, you know, like an English, uh, pale, pale ale malt to, uh, do the conversion, then you, you, you're gonna wait a long, long time before For that it to convert. Yeah. And I'm just not patient enough. Well, for a lot that. of these adjunct things and, uh, specialty malts, you've killed off all of their enzymes. In the processing of, of how you got them there, they roasted them at a high temperature. By making them specialty right. malts. But they still have the starches there. They just can't convert them into simple sugars. Okay. Which and that's really the key to fermentation right. is you All the enzy- enzymes have been denatured. And, and my rule of thumb about that is I take the malt analyses and I multiply. Let's say my malt analysis says, you know, X grain is, is it has a DP of 90. I multiply that times how many pounds I'm adding. Yep. And then... Um, when I'm done, I divide by the total pounds in the whole mash. If that number's 60 or above, I know it's going to single infuse with a single infusion mash with no problem. Okay. Um, if it's below 60, I know it's something I've got to pay close attention to in order to get it to convert. I think I even understood that. That's a pretty simple equation. I, I, I have no was. idea what he said. <laughs> uh, no, that's a that's a great way to be able to tell whether or not you need to add. Yeah, I'm looking for the average DP to be 60 or above. Okay. I think that uh, according to Colin's rule here at Downtown Joe's, it's 12 o'clock somewhere in the world. If you've been listening to our shows from here, uh, cheers. Uh, it means you're, you're supposed to uh, chug a beer here in the world of, of Downtown Joe's. So uh, cheers to everybody involved. And thanks again to the staff here at Downtown Joe's. Uh, it's been awesome. And uh, they're spilling beer everywhere, but it's fine. It's only 
quality equipment. Uh, excuse the dead air. I, for I a just second. spilled beer on uh, Jamil's crotch. Uh, it better, wouldn't be the first time. You better get that off of there, Doc. <laughs> Are we chugging the whole thing? Whole oh, thing. Good. Whole thing, Doc. Except for the three ounces he spilled in my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. No, officer, I, I haven't been drinking. I Somebody just spilled beer in my crotch. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, come down here and smell it. It's beer. It's beer. <laughs> oh, no, closer. Well, that was probably the best uh, 30 seconds of radio we're going to do tonight, folks. I want you to know. Uh, that was tasty. That's a good rule you have here, Colin. The uh, it's, it's an noon. important rule. It's it keeps the staff happy. Absolutely, and that uh, that is who all gets important. to choose when it's that uh, time somewhere. Um, any manager actually. Uh, it used to be anybody, but it had to become <laughs> any manager. Okay. But the, then you came in, and the whole staff was passed out. I'm glad they uh, helped us with that too. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was me that was passed out, and I, I'm the one who got the rule changed. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's a story I'll never live down. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, so now that we know about uh, base malts and, and kind of their uh, properties that, that make them, them base malts, let's start talking about um, about specialty grains. Um, and I think we should start with what Doc started to talk about is what makes them specialty grains. I, I had originally thought that they were all these different types of grain grown differently, and they started out as a different... Uh, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them are... you now. <laughs> I didn't know anything. Uh, a lot of them are two-row. Turned into something else by the yep. by the process that they go through, or or, or some other kind of it doesn't have to be two row. Just right, as well, an example, all barley grains that that have been uh, well, not all barley grains, but the the bulk of them will be barley grains that have been processed differently. So, for example, the crystal malts that you, that people like, um, you know, they're converted in the husk. They get uh, stewed at a warm temperature, just like a mash conversion, and then they get uh, uh, baked at a higher temperature until they uh, caramelize and uh, turn. You know the, the sugars get uh, uh, caramelized, and and that's one type. And then others, uh, you know, they don't convert them; they just uh, roast them uh, at a temperature until they take on various levels of color. For example, you know, it's essentially the same malt that's being <coughs> converted from. Uh, just turn into Darth Vader <laughs> from like a, you know a biscuit malt and. Uh, black patent are are almost the same thing. Yeah. It's just one is a much higher temperature for a longer period of time until it turns into like almost charcoal. The other one just gets a little toasty and biscuity. And biscuity. Uh, you know, there's a whole there's a whole range. Of, yeah, everybody has to drink when they hear biscuity on the radio. <laughs> and um, oh, that's going to be a lot of drunk people. <laughs> so you know, it, it, it's the same type of malt, just a different type of process. And, and and that process is is how we end up with all these different kinds of especially malts, which and, I thought and was it's the maltsters' art, and 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 we you know as brewers you know certainly what we do is art, and certainly what we do is science. Yeah. But an equal art or even a greater art is that of the maltster, and and they're the unsung heroes of brewing. Yeah, right. absolutely. And, and and if you think about that, if, if they mess up, we don't get good beer. If you don't have these people that that are good at the art of making this malt, we don't get good beer. It's really the and, and start. And there's certainly mistakes they make that I can't fix, you know. And, yeah. and fortunately, you know, I pay so much money for my malt that I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But people that are always shopping the bottom price line in breweries, they have to worry about that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted so I, in in talking about how these things start, I, I want to just very briefly talk about uh, the grain itself and what happens. John Palmer in his book has a great description about uh, you can you can think of 
the the actual uh, bit of grain itself that needs to be processed so that we can make fermentable sugars as uh, kind of like a bag of, of jelly beans because it has an it has the bag around it kind of holding it in it has a bunch of things inside and then inside each jelly bean it also has uh, something else and that's really the heart of the sugars that are needed uh, they're not sugars yet uh, that are needed so that we have fermentables in beer and it's what the maltster does to that bag of candy essentially that turns it into either a base malt that we can that will convert itself and turn into fermentable sugars or it's processed so much either with heat or or, or, or otherwise drying out uh, excessively instead of just drying out a little bit. Um, all of these different variations will uh, either leave that inner part of the jelly bean intact or not. Sometimes it'll be it'll become com- completely dry. Uh, I think I might be wrong, but isn't isn't crystal one of the most processed uh, of of the grains that they really kind of doing uh, well, aside from a black patent? You well, know, they they it's just processed differently. So what what they've done is uh, they've actually mashed the grains in the husk. So they, they've, they've taken the, a lot of these grains are processed fairly dry. Yeah. And one of the things you need in order to convert the starches over to sugars is water and heat and the enzymes. So they heat them up and they, mo- they moisten them and heat them up uh, to mash temperature, you know, 150-something or 140-something. And they let them, the, the starches convert to sugars in the, in the grain without opening the grain up. Right. And then they roast it or, and it turns uh, caramelized and darker Depending color. Depending on what temperature. Range. Right. And the time. Exactly. So, so, so and, and I think it's a, good, it's a good thing to do to back up to what is it that a maltster does. And, and they really take the grain of barley, they soak it in water and they sprout it right and and in sprouting it their their main goal is to activate the enzyme package that we need later on they activate all the enzymes we have Um, that enzyme package package, uh isn't isn't available to us in raw barley yeah and we have to malt it in order for it to be available to us as maltsters or brewers and if they let it go too far it will actually the plant itself will begin using those it'll, sugars it'll itself. It'll consume all the starch. Right. That's so exactly the, right. The way the plant grows is by converting the starches, which is its little you know energy package, yeah, to uh, package <laughs> to grow the plant, and it uses and, and the enzymes it can get to convert it. Right, and so it, it has to have enough starch to get it to sun. Yeah, they stop it at a certain point when it's converted, getting getting uh, prepared to uh, you know convert all those starches. And the yeah. maltsters are doing the same thing we're doing in mashing. We're just taking. The secondary school, basically. Well, it's, right. So what they do is they then take all of this barley, they get it wet, and they they let it sprout, um, and then they uh, tumble it and dry it uh, to break off the the sprout that's sticking out of it. Um, and, and they, depending on how they dry it, we get either base malts or specialty malts. Right. I, I kind of wanted to back up into the overview of it. No, and I'm glad you did. And and I know that this is really kind of the nitty gritty, and you don't need to know all this to use specialty malts in your beer. But I just thought it was pretty fascinating about how it goes from a from a plant to converting fermentable sugars. That, so that we so need as it soon as they have this enzyme package available to them, the maltster can use it however they want. Yeah. They can utterly destroy it and make uh, right. a black a black malt. Or they can utilize it uh, to convert all the starches to sugar um, and then start to caramelize them. And then we get all the crystals or uh, caramel malts uh, that, that make all the red colors. So we can make brown colors by by uh, destroying the starches and destroying the enzymes. We make the red colors by making the sugars and then caramelizing the sugars. Absolutely. Okay. And, and the darkest red malt is chocolate malt. Uh, and And... So you mean actually 
the, the malt that they turn in they, by cooking it and that whole process. When, when, when we buy chocolate malt, if you use a little tiny bit in a really light beer, it'll turn red. And it's the darkest of the red malts. No kidding. See, I don't know because I would have thought of it as a uh, as a dark, like a brown right. malt. It just depends you know? on how much you use. But that, yeah, because that dark red will just turn into that. Okay, fascinating. Okay, before we move on then to uh, how to use all these specialty grains and the different types that there are, let's just cover adjuncts quickly so that we know the difference. What's the difference between a specialty malt and an adjunct, Doc? Well, I like to think of adjuncts as something that's going to give me more fermentables without a lot of anything else. Uh, I'm going to get sugars. I'm, it, most people think of rice and uh, corn, corn mm-hmm. as two of the main adjunct things. You have to treat them a little bit different to uh, get the most out of them. Okay. Uh, but it's a way of lightening your beer, lightening the flavor, giving you a little more alcohol. And if with, I throw without imparting sh- a lot of flavor. Where, with the, uh, with the uh, specialty malt, you're trying to gain flavor, gain more character. Uh, you almost want to lose it with the adjuncts. Well, I, I think that's that's the the you know standard definition most people think of adjuncts as being that way. Something to you know get rid of flavor and all that. And it's actually very common. Uh, sugar, table sugar would be right. An that's another adjunct. Okay. Too, straight sugar, corn sugar, corn sugar, sorghum. Um, but okay. uh, you know there are some adjuncts uh, which are still I guess technically adjuncts. Anything that's uh, non barley, non wheat would be an adjunct, correct? Right. So, you can uh, look at you know, molasses so, uh, or anything else. Yeah, any of those would be adjuncts. And honey, but, is uh, honey an adjunct? You know, too? Some, some, yeah, yeah, adding absolutely. fermentables, absolutely. too. Okay. But uh, something like oats, right. uh, 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 Belgium uh, wit beer, uh, you got to have oats. And oats adds a lot of character in that kind of beer where it's adding a lot of mouthfeel and a lot of head retention and uh, some slight bit of a nutty character if you toast them. And, uh, you know, wheat in a, in a heifa. You know, uh, a lot of those things, uh, you know, they, they do add some character. So it just depends. And there's nothing wrong with adjuncts. There's, okay. uh, you know, in this country it, it became a bad name because of the, the big major brewers were using it to reduce flavor in, you know, their lagers. Yeah. And, and it was uh, cheaper too, right? Right. And But around the world people use adjuncts. You know, in Belgium they use adjuncts. In England they use adjuncts. Just different. And it's, and I, it's I use adjuncts in all my high gravity beers. Do you really? Uh, Absolutely. Oh, you have in to. what form? You have to. Are you dextrose? Just dextrose. Yeah. Okay. Corn sugar. It's, it's tough to get uh, a higher gravity without making it a barley wine. Okay. Well, yeah, it becomes too thick and syrupy. If you want it drinkable, you need something that is going to ferment clean and not leave a lot of body behind, and and really just turns into you know essentially water and alcohol in order to make something like that. Uh, you know, uh, Vinny at uh, Russian River when he makes his Pliny the uh, Pliny the Elder. He's using a, a good percentage of sugar mm-hmm. and not a lot of specialty malts because he wants that beer to be drinkable. If you use too much, it ends up cloying. So he's using that adjunct to help, uh, you know, thin the beer out a little bit, make it make it more approachable. Okay, but still give him that gravity that he's right. that he's well, looking for. And what I what I'm looking for is a, a really low final gravity. So in my double IPA, I get 86 percent apparent attenuation out of English ale yeast. There's no way I could do that without right. adding, you know. Uh, literally 25% dextrose. Wow. That's a lot. Sounds That's a like lot. to me. That's, That's really a lot. lot. Yeah. Okay. What would the gravity on that beer be if you're using that much? I'm, I start at 1080 and I finish at 1012. Usually. No kidding. Yeah. 
You'd have wow, to so finishing that, that far down with that's a lot of barley. alcohol, and it sounds like it would be pretty dry too because you finished down so far. Well, and I, no, I, I found be- before I did that, yeah, it doesn't taste dry, and that's the problem is that I, w- I want to have a big hot bitterness presence. Yeah, and the only way I can do that is to add more adjuncts, and it's and it's not that dry. Really, I, I did a double IPA just recently, and uh, yeah, ten eighty five was my starting. I ended up at uh, ten fourteen with wow. uh, just uh, you know less than ten percent sugar. And even at 100 and it, IBUs, it'll taste sweet. Yeah, exactly. It, it, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of malt there, and you just need to be careful. You don't want it to be a cloying. You don't want it to be a sipper beer. You want a beer, in this case, that you can drink by the pint. So uh, in order to do that, you need the adjuncts. Okay. And I actually have a weird theory about that. I think the bigger your middle hop edition, your 30-minute hop edition is, and the more you dry hop, the more cloying the beer is going to be. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a, I think that's a good observation. I I would agree with that. What's the exact, Jamil? You 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 use cloying like Chicken Boy uses biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know the what you exactly what you mean when you say cloying. What is that? What is that descriptor? You know, something heavy on the palate, something that clings to your tongue, something that clings to your your throat as it goes down. You it's know, kind of uh, a nasty, syrupy, sweet kind of. It, well, it's something it that you find pleasant after one sip, but you hate after right. five sips. Ah, okay. It, 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 it could be, and, and I think the thing that Colin was getting to, maybe, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, a resiny hop uh, character c- could be uh, cloying as well. Okay. Anything that, that really kind of tends to cling to the tongue and yeah, the palate. Kind, uh, of, kind of that sticky, syrupy. Kind of, yeah. Okay. If Colin's description uh, holds true, my beer is the opposite of cloying because it's really bad on the first sip. But the more you have, the better it gets. <laughs> there you go. So See, it's that's really not cloying. I have to keg into it. It <laughs> tastes pretty good. Word for that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Justiny. Yeah, it's, it's a new word. Exactly. Yeah, you can stop using cloying. And no, no, Justiny's the, the opposite. Of that's right. So when you say that beer's too cloying, I'll say, "Oh, it's Justiny." Then thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on a strict. I know. I know you guys might not think it's time for a break, but I'm on a strict break schedule tonight. We're going to take a quick break, and I think it's a good moment to do that because when we come back, we can then really jump into. We're going to do specialty malts first and how to use them, and then after that, we're going to talk about uh, adjuncts. And Doc can help us uh, right. uh, talking about that too. And we're going to get Sean O'Sullivan involved in the uh, conversation about specialty malts too, uh, because uh, he brews a lot of different beers there as well. And uh, from what I heard, Jamil Collin thinks he might learn a thing or two from you about specialty malts tonight. Absolutely, I will. Yeah, so uh, how about that? Everybody hang in there because uh, we're still broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. And when we come back, uh, specialty malts coming your way. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. 
Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. Broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. We're back. Sean O'Sullivan, you better be participating in the chat room over there on your little computer, not chatting away to all your, your little chat friends that you have. Sean's like the Both king. of them. Yeah. Sean's the king of, of chat devices. He, uh, he chats on his Blackberry. He chats on the Yahoo. He's Captain Chatswell. He's very popular in a few forums. <laughs> in a few forums. Sean O'Sullivan is my best chat girlfriend I've ever had. Is that right? Yeah, girl talk with Sean does it doesn't yeah. get better. I I used to have my best girlfriend. I've known her for yeah since we were in kindergarten since we were three. But Sean is better. He's a much better chat. He partner. just relates so much to female issues. He's very much like a woman. <laughs> Sully, oh, actually, what is going on over there? I was looking earlier, and they're both looking into their into their uh, laptops, and they're both smiling and tapping away. And I go, they they must be talking to each other. They're sitting like six feet apart. And they're, but they're chatting on the computer. It's cute, Sean. <laughs> All right, Sully's going to get up here a little bit later and help us talk about uh, wh- where he uses specialty malts in his beers because a lot of those beers are great. And I think actually in particular with Strong Beer Month, you've probably got a lot of uh, different beers that have uh, some specialty malts in there. So he's going to be able to help us out with that. Uh, before we move on, uh, I did have a question come through uh, just about base malts that I wanted to cover. Uh, someone was curious that uh, that Munich is a is a base malt. Yes, it is. Yes. I've, I've gotten Munich Type 2 to convert as well. So 20 Lovabon Munich I can get to convert. Really? Okay. Yeah, see, I would, I, I kind of, I don't know why. I there's always there's a number of uh, all Munich beers, and, uh, you know, probably my favorite example is a, uh, a Munich Dunkel. So uh, a, a brown Munich beer, which is, uh, you make with 100%, well, nearly 100% uh, Munich malt, and then a little bit of Carafa Special. And that's really the only way to make a, a really good uh, Munich Dunkel. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
All right. It's got enough uh, enzymes to convert itself because it, it's barely at the the kiln level that it's about to right. kill everything off. Right. Yeah, and it the, just converts. Yeah, just converts it. So if yeah, you have a lot give, of other give stuff, it 90 minutes. If you have a lot of other stuff in there with it, it's not going to help the other things convert. Yeah, you're well. not going to do all Munich and uh, you know 50% corn or something like no. that. It doesn't have a lot of spa- enzymes to spare for something like that. Okay. Okay, at the break, we were talking about a couple of different beers that we could use as examples so that we can really talk about how to use different specialty malts and why we would be using them. Um, so what what did we end up deciding we want to talk about? You guys wanted to do an, uh, I want to do an amber, and I think you guys talked about, about stout amber. as well. An amber and a stout. Okay, so look, can we start with amber? Will that, will that be all right with sure. everybody? And it's kind of a popular style. I think a lot of people do it. And I think what's interesting to me about an amber is that uh, it could end up a pale ale. But you do some things to it to make it an amber, and I think this right. is a lot of where some specialty malt comes in. Well, and one of the things about an, an amber beer that makes it different from a pale ale is there's some caramel character to it. Okay. So not only the color, and like uh, Colin mentioned, you could use something up to like a chocolate malt to give a little bit of a red color to a beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can use some crystal malt to give you that caramel sweetness that's in there. Plus, a lot of times uh, people like their ambers to have some uh, slight... Uh, toasty, uh, bready character to it, kind of in the background to kind of fill out the beer. Okay. So those are the kind of flavors you're looking for and the color you're looking for. And, you know, how do you get that? Well, uh, the is people would probably guess if you're looking for a caramel crystal type of uh, flavor, you're going to go to the caramel malts. Now, caramel malts range from... You know, 10, love a bond up to 150, 200. Uh, there's a Ross malt, which, uh, is made in Germany that's, uh, over 200, uh, wow. love a bond. Do so, those, do those lava, just real quick, do those affect flavor as yes. well? Or do, they do. So Absolutely. it's not just color. It's not okay. just color. It's, They're very it's, strongly flavored. Okay. And, and the, the darker it is, the more, you know, imagine yourself, uh, eating raisins. Now, raisins get kind of dry Can down I be and frolicking through a park <laughs> as I'm doing and, it? And part of that raisin flavor almost is, uh, you know, it's a sweet thing. And, and when when they uh, get dried by the sun, I think they pick up a, a very uh, slight undertone of maybe uh, caramel. A raisiny right? quality. Right. And as you, <laughs> if you were to uh, bake those raisins in cookies... And, uh, you know, have an oatmeal raisin cookie and some of the raisins that, that sit on the top of the cookie. Yeah. How they get kind of baked in there and, and they taste different, don't they? Yes. They, they get that really kind of dark, kind of almost a slightly burnt sugar type of thing yeah. going on. Yeah. That would be like your darker love of bond. That would be like a 150 love crystal okay. or a 200 love crystal. It's just how that heat affects and the, it. And the yeah. ones when they're fresh or if you're looking at the uh, lighter colored raisins, the golden raisins, and that's maybe like a 10 love of bond crystal. Yeah. So there's a big, uh, big, uh, difference between the, the flavors that you're going to get. And even okay. between, say, a 40-love and a 60-love crystal, if you eat those side by side, you know, get yourself a few 40-love grains and a few 60-love grains and try them. You know, go down to your homebrew shop and they probably won't mind if you go reach into the bin and have a few grains of each and try each one and see what the flavors are like because those are the flavors that will end up in your beer. Yeah. You know, when I first heard that, I thought it was a, a stupid thing to say because I thought that so much happened to that malt from the time that you you made beer to the time that you drink it, and I was so wrong. That when, uh, and in fact, it was Brian Hunt, Colin. I, I know you know and, and like Brian Hunt as well. Brian, he, he's the guy who came into the studio and said, "Well, just eat the stuff. Just grab a handful and eat it, and that's what your beer is going to taste like." So that's a good point about but, the different lava bonds too. And, and when I was studying with Brian, uh, he gave me a really good tip. 
and that is, you know, calculate your recipe and figure out what percentage is what grain. And if you've got, you know, 85% base malts, then what you do is you take 85 kernels of your base malt. And then if you've got 3% caramel 15, you take 3 grains of caramel 15. And you do this until you've built your entire recipe. And you mix that all together, and you throw it in your mouth, and you chew all 100 grains at one time. And that's what the grains are going to taste like in your recipe. No kidding. Yeah, 100 grains in my mouth, I'm not going to chew it. It really works. It really works. A little too much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking you need to uh, have a nice big drink handy, too. That's a lot of dry grains. That's a lot of husk. And by the way, uh, Jamil, I would appreciate if if all your future food examples were were bacon instead of... uh, (laughs) Bacon instead of... uh, I I always like to use toast. Some people like like to use lightly toasted bread. Mm -hmm. Other people like it just black. And that, that was never me. I never liked it like that. My brothers and sisters liked it, but I was always the one that liked it the other way. But that's it's perfect a, for it's green. A, it's a totally different flavor. Yeah. And that's perfect for the brown malts of green. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, and you, you get, get to the, know. You can get in the middle of, of, of what it is, and it's a, it's a whole different, and it all has to do with uh, caramelizing the sugars that are in there, the sugar in bread. And, and the, the melanoidin formation. Yeah. yeah. Jamil yeah. uses the term roasty a lot, and I think that's a great descriptor of that. Okay. Okay, so I, I just totally right, lost so, my so train of thought. In, guys, in, the, the, first, in uh, the amber ale, one of the flavors and, and colors you want to get is from the crystal malts. You want to you want to get some caramel type of flavor. So maybe you're going to use some, you know, forty love crystal. You might use a darker. I like to use some forty. I like to use maybe some one twenty because it has kind of a a little more intense kind of drier, slightly uh, toasty kind of. Uh, Sugar, you know, uh, a little more towards the burnt side, but not really. Okay, and uh, that that adds some interesting flavor characteristics. And one of the things I like to do is break up. Uh, if I'm going to use, you know, a pound of uh, crystal malt or you know, ten percent of crystal malt, I'll use five percent of one type and five percent of another type. Yeah. So you kind of get some some staggering, unless you want something really plain and simple. But how are we deciding? Because this is the part for me, and this is why I don't write recipes anymore, because uh, there's so many good ones out there. I don't know how to decide how no, much that of that stop crystal you beer that too. I need. Yeah, I, I would. Because um, right, it's, it's a tough thing to figure out. If I know I have to have some crystal right. in there. You need, you need some experience, and you need, uh, you know, uh, like Colin's saying, you know, generally... You know, eighty to ninety percent of your beer is base malt. Yeah. yeah. And if you see yourself using fifty percent crystal, think again. Too okay. much. Okay. I, I try to keep and it around fifteen percent uh, uh, specialty malt. As right. a man, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and it just depends on a lot of variables. I, I mean, in a pale ale, I might only use three percent specialty malt. Right. But and it depends on the the darker characteristics of it. So you want to use a little bit less. But right. right, and even in a stout, I'll only use fifteen percent. And you know, in my in my amber, I use fifteen percent. So it, it, it'll depend on uh, you know what style of beer you're making. Uh, you know, it's going to range. In, in a German Pilsner, you may use zero specialty malts. You really want you know just that clean Pilsner malt coming through, and you don't need any adjuncts. Yeah, you don't need any specialty malts. Right. So. It, it could be anywhere from zero to, to whatever. And what you want to do is look at some other recipes out there, get an idea of, of what similar recipes might, uh, you know, might show. And how much they're using. Right. And, get, and get, why. Get some sort of idea. And, and anytime, you know, here's, here's one thing I, I see a lot of times is people adding a bunch of malts with really, without any sort of 
idea of what it's going to add or what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And they'll add, you know, just the kitchen sink type of beer. Sure. And the the, the, the problem is you're going to end up with a real muddy kind of character and, and, and too much going on, and it becomes overwhelming, and the beer just doesn't taste right. Yeah. you got to, you know, you exceed that threshold that uh, is allowed for specialty malts just from the flavor aspect. See, and I don't think the problem, though, is that people are throwing in the kitchen sink and not knowing what they're going for. If you go through uh, a site like More Beer, any of the sites where you can read a description of every grain they sell, right, and it says, okay, you can get some toffee flavors, you can get biscuity flavors. I think that we go through that, uh, novice brewers, uh, I'm saying as we, we go through that and we go, oh, I, I'd love, the, I'd love oh, to have that good. flavor that in my sounds good. That I'd sounds love good. to have some toffee, I'd love to have right. some biscuit. And this is where it's a little we too much. because we don't know, right. you know, what and when and where and how much. So well, well and, and but if you're looking for all those flavors, that's fine. You just put you know a, a third of a pound of each. You don't put you know a pound of each in just a five a bit, gallon yeah. recipe. Yeah, you know? yeah. Even then, and this gets more into you know recipe design, yeah. you, which Jamil's an expert you, at. You want you want to um, you know focus on a couple of angles on your beer. You know you don't want to you know, if you if you're trying to cover too many different. Flavors, you're covering too many. You miss you all know, of them. Yeah, pick pick one or two. Okay, to, to highlight. And so in a, in an amber, you're really looking at uh, you know a, a caramel flavor and maybe a toasty flavor. Okay. And the way you get that toasty flavor now, you, so we've covered how you get that caramel flavor. Yeah. How do you get that toasty flavor? Maybe some biscuit malt or some victory or you know one of those type of lower. Uh, uh, Malts and maybe you know what I'd like to use is some pale chocolate, maybe some Munich things like that. That uh, will kind of together give me a nice toasty angle on on the beer. Okay. So, uh, and are any of these um, are they part of your gravity as well when you're when you're adding these different things right, to get the flavor? Are. They are. Okay. They are. Okay. But they do generate unfermentable sugars. Right. Okay. And well, which is good to know because uh, that's going to be left behind in the beer that we drink, and maybe we don't want we don't want too right. much of that. So if you're looking for a drier beer, then you don't add a bunch of caramel 120. Okay, right. Okay. All those all those crystal malts they have a, a certain percentage that is not going to ferment, and it's going to add some sweetness to the beer. Okay, so you need to balance that maybe with some hot bitterness, or you know, with the rest of your malt bill being uh, much more fermentable, or your mash temperature being much lower to kind of balance that out. Okay. And, and, and you were telling me, uh, okay, because some of us aren't mashing. Some of us are steeping. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of these specialty malts when we're talking about the right. color of an amber ale, so so we can stay on topic here. Uh, we need to get that, that kind of a deep amber color that we want, and we're going to be steeping grains. Right. Uh, you were talking to me about the fact that that is going to leave behind there, uh, some sugars. Well, it or depends. starches, it, rather. Right. It depends on the type of malt. Now, if, if you look at... Uh, you know the crystal malts. They are. They've been. Remember, they've been mashed in the in the husk by the maltster. Okay. They've mashed it. They've converted it to sugar, and they've you know given it a certain amount of uh, color. Okay. Uh, by roasting it, you drop that into water. All you're doing is dissolving the sugars in there that are already there, and those sugars are you know what you're you're after. You don't want starch in your beer. Right. Unconverted starch, and what you're going to get from a lot of other malts. For example, if you're looking at the biscuit malts, honey malts, uh, uh, victory, aromatic, uh, you know, melanoid, and all those malts, they need to be mashed, okay. just like Munich does and Vienna does. Those are not steeping grains. Okay. Now, a lot of people do, and, and the ones that I would say, you know, don't steep 
you know, get an extract from Munich. Uh, you know, if you're going to steep Vienna, you know, skip the Vienna and use Munich extract instead. Because the the flavors that you're going to get, uh, you will get some flavors from them, but it's not it's not quite right. And you're going to put a lot of starch into your beer. See, and this is the risk unconverted starch. Well, I don't believe it a hundred percent, but one of the things that people say is the starches in the beer are you know a uh, possible. Uh, thing that uh, you know contaminants are going to break down and uh, you know it, it, it tends to uh, shorten the shelf life of the beer things like that okay also haze issues I haze as well if right. you used enough so you know I, I think you know and from my aspect you know the bugs will eat the dextrins you know just as readily as they'll eat a lot of starches right so it, it doesn't really phase me one one way or the other, but you you, you don't want to put too much starch in there, and you want to uh, you know get the most out of those grains. Go ahead and do the steeping on that, and people have been doing it forever and, sure. and making fine beer. But ideally, you want to mash those grains. So you want to get some base malt and uh, you know hold that in the one fifties for an hour with a pound of base malt, and and that'll help that convert those starches over. And I think this is the, and I don't want to gloss over this because I think this is the myth. We, you know, a lot of times we're told to use steeping grains to get the colors we want mm-hmm. and we're told that that's all it's going to do is well, give now, us color but you're you're now saying that's the, not the, all it's going to do on the very darkest grains there's very little starch that's going to get converted anyways because the starch has been cooked you know, cooked to uh, yeah a, a much darker color and uh, they won't convert anyways. Yeah. So those are a lot safer until you get down, you know, in the Chaka range or so or below that. Then it kind of, you know, it's it's a sliding scale. There's no absolute cutoff. But all those lighter colored uh, specialty grains, again, the aromatics, the biscuits, the victory, all those things, uh, a lot of them have uh, some starches that should be converted. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's go back to the amber ales, and I want to talk about not only your homebrew, Jamil, but uh, you guys. Uh, is it Tailwagon Amber? Tailwagon, yeah. So uh, l- let's talk about the the two. I-, I like that you describe the things that you're going for in an amber ale, because I think that's a great place for us to start. And like you said, you're looking for those caramel fl- caramel flavors. So you're talking about the crystal malts, and then we're we're looking for those roasty flavors. So, uh, Colin, for example, what are you doing to your Tailwagon Amber to get those characters? Well, one of the things we do is we like to boil and copper because we think it uh, uh, helps out those flavors. Okay. Um, and one of the things that uh, George Fix used to do is make sure there was copper in the boil kettle. Just like a um, piece of it or something? Yeah, literally just like a piece of half-inch copper pipe. Okay. Um, because that will help help a little. Um, it won't make the difference, but it'll help a little. Okay. Um, and, you know, I like to use all the caramel malts in my, in, in my amber. Um, so I use C15, uh, C45, C77, and C120, all in equal parts. Okay. And I use ProMash to hit the color. Why and can't you u- just use one crystal? You know, you could. Okay. And and if you did, you'd have that more distinctive flavor of just that crystal. But, you know, from this the, the brand of C45 I use, I get a raisiny character that I really like. Okay. From the, the crisp C120, I get a roasty flavor that I really like. And all of them add their own different components. Okay. And I'm looking for a complexity. You know, all I use is base malt and four specialty malts. 
So it's not overly complex, but there's still a complexity that keeps my customers interested. And can you taste all those characters of the crystals just by eating them like we were talking about? Absolutely. You get that the one from the 45, you get that roasty. And, and we can go in the grain room anytime and grab handfuls of and malt. You can taste and, you, and you'll go, oh, yeah, you use that in this beer, don't you? Yeah, okay. Okay, fair enough. And and then uh, you're also, because we're dealing with color and and not just flavor, we're dealing with both. Um how are you calculating? You know how much is this? Just, is this pro, well, I is this pro mash? Pro mash? Okay, I, I use that's pro what mash. I want to know. Is this I mean, isn't some mythical thing? Nah. You're punching it into pro mash and figuring out the SRM. I am, yeah. and and you know what? The SRM, as long as my pH is within a reasonable range, uh, is pretty accurate. It stays right. If, there, you, if right. you get your pH really high or really low, the SRM won't be accurate with pro mash. And and Jamil, are you the same uh, using pro mash to help figure? Like I, I, pro mash can't tell you the flavor, but it can tell you the color. So right, it, it can give you a pretty good estimate uh, pro mash or beer tools or any of those uh gives you gives you a pretty good yeah, idea of what and you can do it by hand it's not that hard and, and but okay. the thing is like any of these tools you you cr- come up with a recipe punch it into whatever tool you're using they're all fine and uh you know see what the results are and if you say to yourself well that's lighter than i anticipated mm-hmm. then just make a mental note of it and when you know pro mash or beer tools tells you it's 12 srm then uh, you know you want it darker than that next time, and you wanted 14 or 15 or whatever. And when ProMash or Beer Tool says 14 or 15, you go ahead, brew it again, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Okay. It doesn't really matter what the number is. It's just, you know, you get used to using the tool. Okay. And, and I would feel negligent if I didn't mention that uh, uh, mash pH affects all of this. You start mashing in at 5.8 or 5.2, you're going to change the color of the beer significantly, even with really? the same ingredients. Uh, darker or um, the uh, higher the pH is, the darker it gets. The lower the pH is, the lighter it gets. Okay, Doc. I know you want to jump all over that I with do, water chemistry. I'm, I'm just I'm fighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other show that uh, Colin and Doc are actually going to do. Water chemistry part three uh, coming up not too long. Okay, uh, what else besides crystal is in that recipe of yours, Jamil? In mine, uh, <coughs> I think there's uh, pale chocolate and uh, which is a dark some, crystal, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's not a crystal at all. It's actually uh, it's it's chocolate malt done to 200 love, so about ha- around half. half the color of. Uh, You're the one who got me started thing. using it, and I love it. Uh, people are <laughs> using it all over the place now. It's really become one of those malts that uh, it, the manufacturer had canceled it and it wasn't being oh. made anymore and, and then they said okay well we'll make it for the uh, breweries and then you know just everybody wants it so now it's it's really going did you single-handedly save chocolate malt? i think i single-handedly <laughs> saved <laughs> that's awesome chocolate malt. see this is what happens on the bn first i invented the internet and then jamil single-handedly saved chocolate malt that's right that's right that's we really that's are saving the world <laughs> one beer at a time here that's 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 uh, <laughs> obviously true but that's then, a malt uh, that you have to really use sparingly right i mean too much of that and 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 you're going to throw your whole color and, and right. out of whack. In, a, in a in a beer like that you're going to use just a dash you're going to use maybe uh, you know Five gallon batch, you use a couple of ounces, uh, you know, up to maybe a quarter of a pound. It, it'll, in a lower doses, it's going to give you a nice toasted type of, uh, uh, character and it's going to give you some redness to the color. Okay. If you get to, uh, too high amount, it's going to start tasting kind of chocolatey. All right. I kind of feel like I want to try this 100 grains eating. You gotta thing. try it. It really works. It really so works. So I tried to see the grains. I want to do I want to do it on the show, like tonight. Okay. So I want in fact so if we're talking about this amber recipe, I wanna I wanna go to break and I'd like you to mix me 
your amber recipe. Could you do that? Do you have those grains? Absolutely. And mix me your hundred grain amber <laughs> recipe, and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and I want to see. And then, and then, do you have the beer here too? I do. And I want to see if I can taste the beer in the grains, because even as we're talking about this, I'm still, I still think that that, uh, that myself and a lot of other novice recipe builders are going to have trouble deciding how much of each of these things to use. And I want to know if this hundred grain thing works. We'll do it. Have you ever done it? I have a lot, actually. I mean, am I going to look like a chit? Like it's like grains. I think it's his breakfast every morning. Like Alvin and the chipmunks. Alvin, yeah. What is it going to do to Justin? I, I promise you, I won't get him any more drunk than he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't like you know lace it with absinthe or anything. I just want the. Gri- I, I want to see if I can taste what your amber tastes like, because it, to me, if. Uh, I really want to know what the recipe tastes like, and I think it's going to help out a lot. I think that Pro Mash is going to be great for telling me the SRM, but not so much the flavor. And I want to. The, the only thing you need to, I think, kind of adjust for between the grains is um, the husk. Yeah, the, the, it's, really, it's going to taste a lot like husk. Okay, you know, but uh, so it's but you, you can mash you can, a lot like the husk difference too. between breakfast yeah. cereal and beer. Do you think you if I held it in my mouth long enough, I could mash at ninety eight point yes. five uh, degrees? Then all you have to your, do is chew it up saliva. and spit it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, enzymes in your saliva will start to convert the starches into it'll, a cup it'll will, right? we'll as it goes. It. Yeah. And then it can ferment in my gut. So hopefully you just keep that in your mouth. Keep your mouth shut yeah. for a couple hours. I will. <laughs> this is going to be the best show ever because yes. I'm going to be silent exactly. for like the remainder. Yeah, sure. I'm going to be chewing on all these grains. We'll let Doc talk. <laughs> let okay. Doc get into water. It's all Doc all the time. Okay, let's do that. Let's take a break, and you can mix me this grain cocktail. And then when we come back, uh, we'll start talking stout, too, because we can talk about different uh, different yep. uh, specialty malts that you we have. You mix up a time. handful of stout grains, too, here. He's got the yeah, stout. Why not? Uh, let's let's do it all at once, Colin. Uh, while we're at it, uh, you're tuned to the Brewing Network. We're covering specialty malts and adjuncts, and uh, hang in there. We got a lot more show for you. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Back broadcasting live from downtown Joe's, being served homebrew now, too. Colin's cool like that. You don't just have to drink downtown Joe's beer. A lot of our listeners have been coming out and bringing us their beers to sample, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, Sean Paxton right now is pouring every everybody a beer. Sean Paxton's a weird guy. He uh, he <laughs> he came out here to visit us at downtown Joe's and he brought his his starter with him like he couldn't leave it home alone or something he felt it's like he like he couldn't find a babysitter and uh he, like he didn't know he just cares that much for his beer you know that he he didn't want to leave he did it look very proud of it leave it at home this is a 100 that's not a 100 Colin has just handed me a tiny little that is that can't be a 100 is it really whatever just eat it and now Jamil's touching them, and now I'm freaked out because Jamil's germs are all over my in. grains. And 
Okay, so as I said I touch it too? before the break, get out of here. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try. Uh, see, stop not touching it. Now, this isn't that much fun because I thought I was going to have like a an overflowing mouthful of green. Okay, but this is your amber recipe in green form. Okay, so Colin has given it to me. Chew it up and, and then, uh, then see how much green it is. I know. It, I'm probably uh, jinxing myself here. Okay, and as we do this, we got Sean O'Sullivan at the microphone with us now, too, as we start to talk about stouts. Uh, I'm going to try this one, and, and you guys uh, t- go ahead and carry on, and I'll let you know if, if Colin's right about his 100 grain rule. And if he's right... How long are you going to give him? This could revolutionize everything. No, this, I mean, this is could change everything. Oh, it's Brian's yeah, rule. Actually, Colin wants me to know it's Brian Hunt's uh, 100 grain rule. But I bet he does uh, it every morning for breakfast. Yeah. I'll call him. It's probably healthy. This is. This <laughs> amount of grain might do just as much for my hangover as the O2 bong did. Your colon, your colon won't know what hit it. No, it's, I'm going to be feeling good after this. Yeah, she will. Don't look at me like that, Sully. <laughs> like what? Don't you ever do this? You can taste your look. recipe? What's that? Do you ever taste your recipe? Like the with the 100 grain rule? He doesn't like drink his beer any, at all. He's like, I don't even taste my beer. Forget my recipe. <laughs> Are we making beer on the 2 still? <laughs> do we still do that? <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and start to talk about uh, stout and, uh, and the different uh, specialty malts in that. And I'm going to eat this green. Carry on. Well, it depends on what kind of stout you're talking about. Let's, oh, that let's is a lot of like grain. Dry stout, for example. Yeah, it is a lot of grain. And... Uh, you, crunch you know, for example, uh, let's look at uh, uh, something like a, a Guinness. If you're trying to reproduce Guinness, that's something a lot of beginning homebrewers want to do. And the tendency is to put in crystal malt and Munich malt and all sorts of other specialty grains. And the problem with that is those aren't the type of flavors you're looking for. What you're looking for there is... You know, the, the base malt and uh, roasted barley and maybe some, you know, flake barley. It's a really good recipe, it. by the way. I just want to <laughs> chime in there real quick. Go it's ahead. like you're having a snack over there. Yeah. It's really a lot. It's, it's like, like granola bar, yeah. Yeah, right now it's like peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I told you, 100 grains is a lot. You want to see it, Doc? You like that dog gum. Excellent. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like chunky peanut it? butter. And I uh, want to drink, but I can't. So it looks like my tongue. Uh, probably what your tongue looked like this morning. Mm-hmm. So, Doc, you brought up stout. So, yeah. you know, the the the, the key thing on a stout, you're looking for that really dry, dark, roasted, right type of flavor. Not a lot of caramel. Not a lot of sweetness. Yeah. Like no caramel. Yeah, you don't. You don't want. You, you basically want to have fermentables and roast. Yep. So uh, you're gonna get then, a lot of. People, they're looking at this dark, dark, dark beer, and they think they got to put a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, they think it's like rich and cloying and thick, and it's not. It's uh, right. real thin and dry. So uh, pretty much, like you said, uh, yeah. black patent. Now, if you're uh, making barley, if you're making a uh, imperial stout, Russian imperial stout, now you're talking about you know you got a lot of other flavors going on. Yeah, there. giving you it could, some backbone, some other gonna, things you're in the middle. You're gonna have some sweetness. You're gonna you're gonna have uh, other things like that. And, and generally, if you're trying to produce sweetness in a beer that uh, doesn't have a huge load of huge load, <laughs> huge load of big load <laughs> base malt, that's gonna make it sweet. And because it's uh, just the yeast is going to peter out and not be able to ferment at all, what you need to add is some sort of crystal ball. Okay. That's really the only way you're going to get that sweet character in a beer. That's going to be left over at the end. Right. Now, whether you want it caramelly or not, uh, you know, that, that determines whether you go to a darker color specialty malt or not. So? 
So I've just tasted the beer. Uh huh. Sorry to be jumping all, all those over. green all right, husks I'm, down Colin, I'm, I'm done with my green sandwich. And now I'm drinking the beer. And it totally works. The beer is almost identical to the green sandwich. It's really... It's uncanny. Breakfast the champion. <laughs> it's uncanny. And 100 greens is it's, not much volume, is it? No, it was kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like not much. Colin, I don't, you could, up. I don't know if you could hear at home, but Colin was saying 100 greens isn't that much. It doesn't look like that much. It looked, like, it looked like a little bit in the bottom of that shot glass. No, but it's doable. It's it's completely doable. Okay, so By the way, did you hand count the greens? Did you, you did you eight, wash your hands before you hand counted the greens? What is wrong with this guy? You had 86 greens. Okay, he's of, telling me now. I, I I just ate eighty six grains of Maris Otter. Four grains of caramel fifteen. Four grains of caramel fifteen. Four C forty five. Four grains of C forty five. Four C seventy seven. Four C seventy seven. And four C one forty. And that is uh, the the ratio of you, of your recipe. Yeah. That's, so that's what I just said. And it really does taste. Uh, Doc, you should try it. It tastes like the beer. <laughs> It really tastes like the beer. I need some backup here, so somebody else is going to have to do this. I'll Sully, are you What's, in? I'm here. What's that? What? You, you'll do it, Doc? I'm in. I want you to do it, Doc, because I want some. Can you make one for... I'm sorry, you have to go count out 100 greens. You're done counting? He's like, I can't count 100. Can you just make them like a like eyeball it? Like, just eyeball it. You got to count. It's only four grains. Uh, he's saying that he, it has to be counted. Um, okay, I'm fine. All right. Oh, I'll miss that. Well, I just want a little back. I, I think it's a great way to count. tell the recipe. I, I really think that the, the flavors were very similar. So I'm going to go ahead and, and put my seal of approval on the 100-grain rule. And I'm Brian's 100-grain rule and uh, recommend it. I mean, because really, like I said, the point here was that figuring out how much of each to use. And, and that was a good way to combine the flavors. I mean, you're, you're mashing it up in your mouth. and uh, well, Plus, I feel healthier. Having done that, <laughs> you have to, uh, you know, you have to take into consideration that, you know, all the fermentation characteristics, the hops, things like that, are, are, are going to add sure. to it, and and try and eliminate the husk from what you're thinking about. But yeah. other than that, yeah, you know, the the flavors are going to be fairly similar. Yeah, it's a good way they, to do it. They, they really don't change much between the grain and you know what you end up with in the work. And, and by the way, it's still tasty because it's like all over in the it's stuck between your, your, teeth. Your, your teeth right now. It's like yeah, it's in my it, teeth. You might inhale my, it actually. In my beard, and then I'm in trouble. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be choking. Okay, let's go back to stout because it's a, another great representation of Doc. Doc carries toothpicks with him apparently because yes, he's, he's just handed me one. Um, and and I'd like to talk about uh, the stout that you two brew, Doc and Jamil. But also, uh, uh, I, I think that Sully can chime in here too because he's got a great stout. Yeah. That, uh, don't you put like fish in it or something? No, uh, no fish. Um, Oysters. Uh, we do actually we do do a uh, an oyster stout, which is kind of a melding of an old style, um, where uh, oysters were pr- uh, prevalent on the uh, east coast of England, and uh, and and stout was a very popular drink. So we decided to combine the two. So what we do is uh, we'll take a bunch of shucked oysters and a little bit of the brine from it, and actually put it in the boil. So the idea behind it is that you have sort of the necessary salts and ingredients in uh, in oysters as far as the calcium and and salts concern, and uh, so it sort of lends it to the beer itself. I always tell people if you taste oysters in there, it's there. If you don't, then it's probably not there. But the idea is you don't want to have too fishy of a beer, so yeah, because uh, that's not a very good flavor in beer. I have had home brew actually. Grant Johnstone, the uh, brewer at uh, Black Diamond, uh, he will uh, he actually brews an oyster stout, and he'll actually use the meat of the oyster. That's disgusting. And, and, and it's funny; it actually works though because it's really subtle and it's, it's in the meat. background, but it's not. Uh, 
it's not it's it's not over the top and uh, it, it's just it's a it's a it's a fun beer to brew. We you know uh, and it's in a, and it, what's really great is the shucking party that occurs before we make it. So shuck you shuck. <laughs> oh shucks. You sometimes my jokes are really stupid. Well, I think about that sometimes when I try to go to sleep at night. About how dumb that Chuck you joke was, for example. Yeah, but you said it and Doc backed you up. <laughs> you yeah. got to move on. So, <laughs> all right, let's talk so, specialty so the, so malt. The, so, so the idea is that you know the calcium in there will sort of support the beer and all that. But uh, the specialty malts I use in, uh, it, it, like Jamil said, they are different for every single stout. And uh, as far as the oyster point stout goes, I use a I use a little bit of dark malt. Uh, I use uh, chocolate roasted and. Uh, and uh, and black, but what I have done and black patent, black that, patent, yeah, yeah and uh, and I and also some uh, flaked oak. But uh, what I have done over the years is that I noticed that most of my stouts were a little bit too uh, astringent and too roast forward. So I, what I do is I really ba- I've been backing off on the roasted malts and the dark really? malts, yeah, because they I mean, will you, add you know, that what, acidic kind yeah, of the acidic and the astringency. Yeah. But what I actually would challenge everybody out there to do is to take a Guinness and 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 try it and almost like close your eyes when you drink it because that beer it, it has a little bit of roastiness to it. It's very subtle though. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost not even there. Uh, and that's kind of the beer I'm trying to make, actually. Really? When I, when I do a dry stout. Yeah. Trying to get it just really yeah, close to just that. Yeah, like, just back off on it, because I think it has a tendency on the West Coast is that we try to, we, we kind of kill you with the roasted malts and all that. Yeah, so. yeah. Although I like, uh, you know, some of that, but I think, and the point of this discussion here is is the balance between it. Yeah. And by the way, when I close my eyes and, and taste the Guinness, do I have to touch myself as well, or just close my eyes is fine? If you're closing well, your eyes, does it matter and, who's and touching touch the oyster? Yeah. It really doesn't matter. It could matter. be anybody, really, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be gay at all. Fair enough. It's, it's not gay if you're testing it. Or know. if you don't know who it is. <laughs> it's not. Is that a new, I didn't know that. No, rule. it's okay. You sit on your, uh, the <laughs> other hand and it goes, how many call the stranger? If you don't know who it is, it's not gay. I like that rule. It's fantastic. Uh, sorry, Jamil. Don't look at me like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have to tell you right now. i got to chime in right now. My parents are listening to the show for the first time right now. Really? So I'm just trying to keep it as like PG rate, PG-13 as I could. Okay. And, uh, and, I, and I just did the touching you joke. And, I, yeah. and I'm gonna, my mom's going to be like, Sean, Sean why I are see- you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I want to well, talk I'm to... Uh, shocked at your boy. I want to talk to Mr. and Mrs. O'Sullivan here real quick. I just want you guys to know that uh, not only is Sean a, a really good guy and a... And a and a big supporter of the show. You've been drinking, but uh, I've I've never seen anybody touch themselves as much as uh, as Sean O'Sullivan does. I mean, every time I every I call him up, hey, what are you doing? I'm touching myself. So uh, be the touchy feely guy. But you've been in the room a couple times for that, and which freaks me out. It's really odd. And uh, you're okay with it? Well, I've just come to know that it's just part of you. I mean, you stare <laughs> okay. at me and you touch yourself. It's very odd, but. Uh, uh, so, oh come on! Everybody, raise their hand. Who's ha, who hasn't thought of Justin and touch yourself? <laughs> yeah. Why am I? Is my hand the only one in the air? Not Daniela, a lot of, you're not Daniela, a lot of hands your, your hand's not even you. in the air. I saw Sean Paxton has just put both hands up in the air. I want you guys to know. Uh, wife is pregnant too. That's odd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jamil, don't get all antsy on me. Okay, let's start talking about stouts. No, we're we're trying Sean's uh, matching Sean. We're trying his uh, Dogfish 120 clone first. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sean Paxton, not not Sean O'Sullivan. 
<laughs> Sean Paxton, the good brewer. Yeah, Jamil kind of said that like Sean O'Sullivan <laughs> could never make a 120 clone. Ooh, he just gave him a good whack on the head. He touched Jamil, you him. and I were having a love fest last <laughs> anniversary party, <laughs> yes. and it's falling apart. And then he comes out with that. It's because you haven't it's been around, there. man. You, 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 you got to nurture the love. You just can't leave yeah. for like months at a time and expect right. to come back. No, uh, like, uh, uh, Sean's made a, a great right. 120 clone. I'll, I'll tell you, the aroma is exactly... Yeah, uh, Dogfish 120. You know the two clones. We're gonna have to do a clone show with you because the two clones I've had from you, Paxton, are so right on. They're so like close to the beer, like they should be. We're gonna have to do a clone show with Paxton. Go ahead, oh, talk. Is, tell it, us about the it's, beer. It's a. It's a. Look, touch, he's touching his beer like he touches himself. It's a touch sweeter than uh, Dogfish 120. <laughs> so sweet. it needs it needs to attenuate a bit more. Yeah, it is sweet. Uh, yeah. But it's not as hot an alcohol as a Dogfish 120, believe it or not. This is like a nice controlled fermentation, nice and steady and clean and, and didn't get nearly as hot. So that's probably one of the reasons why it didn't attenuate quite as much. Well, what did it finish at, uh, Sean Paxton? Oh, read the label. It's, it's on the label. What does it say? Uh, started at, at 1,200, finished at 10.52. Wow, 10.52. So it's about, it's a little over 20% alcohol. 20.1. And I'll tell you, that's a very good attempt at an extremely difficult beer to make. And you did 10 gallons 10 of gallons, it. oh my God. He's talking about his feeding regimen, how yeah, often he had to... Feeding, the, feeding it like he was and breastfeeding a child. And you only brought a, us a growler, you cheap bastard. Ten gallons of this stuff. He brought us a growler. <laughs> what the hell? No, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Paxton, this is a fantastic beer. And probably a good example of having to use specialty malts, too, to uh, get some of the flavor. Or was it all base malt? And he's shaking his head at me. All Pilsner malt. 32 pounds of Pilsner and one pound of... English, and then all the sugar. Bo- English mild, I see. So the recipe's in one of the. Yeah, yeah he'll post the recipe the Z- in the form. It's right, in, the in the form. Zymer G. Basically, from, a half uh, a sack of Dexter. The one on brewing strong beers. Okay, post that in the form for us if you would. It's Jamil's. It's, well, it's your actually recipe? recipe from Dogfish Head from Andy at Dogfish Head. The guy who brews it gave me the recipe, and uh, I just. Wrote it up for Zymergy in the str- you just stole it from him. article. Okay. Every time he like a year. Or so every time ago. he pulls this out, my eyes just open and it's like cool. Wow, that's really that's great beer. Thanks, Sean. It's a ma- it's a very difficult beer to make. You know, to, to, to get something up to twenty percent. Yeah, uh, you got to know what you're doing, and to make it this clean and this this uh, you know where it's not all fusily and like rip your head off. Yeah. You know, uh, very, very good job. You're no slouch, Sean Paxton. Sean Paxton writes our uh, beer and food article in the uh, in the Brewcaster, the newsletter, uh, and and you can look for some good Irish recipes coming up this month. So, uh, just so you know who he is. Uh, all right, listen. Since we're totally off topic anyway, uh, why don't I go through some of these questions that I got from the chat room, and then and then we can sure. get back onto the stout. Uh, this is a cool question that came through uh, from one of our listeners who's in the chat. Is this his first time in the chat, Danielle? Or this person, or is he with you all the time? It's the first time with us, too. And so this is cool. We always like to answer the first-timers. Um, oh, is this... Uh, did you go count these out, Justin, for... Uh... All right, so everybody's got their own little grain sandwich. Um, okay. Uh, Jamil and, and Sean, listen to this, because it's a good question. Okay. I, I'd like you guys to be able to chime in. Guy says, I'm 60 years old and have been brewing for 10 years now. Uh, he says, uh, recently, a five- to six-hour brewing day is is a little tough on him. A lot like you, Sean O'Sullivan. 
No, I'm approaching sixty. You're retired well, by now. That's sixty-five. Just a, but yeah. like a like a long brew day on you, you're like, forget it. I got stuff to do. I got chatting to do. Stephanie, will you clean me now, please? <laughs> yeah. So he says a, a long brew day is a little tough on him. So he wants to know uh, what are the ramifications of mashing and sparging one day, saving the wort, and then boiling the next day. What do you guys think about that? It's a tough thing because you're really creating a bacteria farm with all that sugar. Oh, there's a school out there right. where people do this all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, you know... Cantillon uh, does that. Have, have you heard of sh- sour yeah. mash whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> Same kind uh, of a... You know, but, uh, if, if you heat it up enough... So the thing is, you, you get the wort. Uh, if you're mashing and you've uh, you know run out into the kettle and all that, Yeah. Uh, once the wort's sitting in the kettle, you need to heat it up to pasteurize it so it's not going to go bad. One thing you want to stop the enzymatic conversion of the uh, the starches. You don't want that to continue. And the other thing is you want to uh, uh, you know sanitize it so it's not going to go bad on you. Keep it covered and all that. And then you could boil the next day. Sure. Okay. So you he know, can the, do it. I, personally, I would go to extract before I did that. Yeah, you're gonna get extracts, lacto. Extracts are good. You can get a lot of lactobacillus. There's some high quality extracts out there from from some manufacturers that you know I I think they're fantastic. And if I needed to save time, I'd go to extract. Okay. I still do extract once in a while if I've, I'm going on a big brew offsite. I don't want to drag all my stuff. Uh, if I need to like whip something out pretty quick, uh, I can do that. I, I think you could probably do it if you raise it to 180, held it there for 20 to 30 minutes, put it in kind of a clean, sanitary environment, and then waited. But I think all the time that you would spend doing that, you could probably just go through on your brew as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you agree there, uh, You end up having to Pope? pasteurize it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fair enough. I got some other questions in front of me. I want to make sure that we uh, we get through. Got a lot of adjunct questions, so we are going to be moving to adjuncts later in the show. Just hang in there. We're going to get to that. And I've got some. Yeah, uh, grainy. Did you you did the grain uh, the one hundred grain taste? And I, I haven't done it yet. Oh, all right. Now now you have to taste the beer. So you've okay. you've tasted the grains, and now taste the beers, and tell me guys if if you think the same as oh uh, and and Sully and and Jamil are just now eating their grains. Now you're high. You don't think it's similar. No, well, I like the grainy taste because it's like cereal. You don't think that that mouthful of grains tastes like that beer that you just sipped? No. You're insane. I'm moving it's on to the next one. Tad dry. <laughs> Jamil's having a, really. You don't even think it's a, it's similar? Okay, it's similar. But um, so you're going thumbs down, and that's a way to taste what your beer is going to taste no, like. No, a I, I huge think, grainy component right. to it. And I like that. I like. I, I well, you got to have a little imagination. You got to look past that oh. and think about the the nuances of the flavor, and think if you if you then taste that in the beer. I, I didn't dislike that grain in my mouth. It tasted pretty good. I would yeah. eat that every morning for breakfast. Yeah, but but it didn't taste like the amber. That you, I, I think that Doc's high is what I think. There's just a huge grainy component to it that you have to eliminate from. But you can do that. Come on. You you guys are elevated enough to eliminate the grain flavor and think about what's happening. I see it as useful. I would personally... You know what? Cut back on the base malt and go with the the specialty malts only, or just a portion of the base malt and and the specialty malts. And I think you get maybe a a better idea of what the specialty malts are going to do, because otherwise the the base malt is kind of overwhelming. Well, I think that... I personally think, and I, I, you know, I'm disagreeing with you, Pope, uh, a little bit here. Thank God. But I think that you, so you get an idea if something is more out of balance. <laughs> if, if you like, if you made a, uh, a stout or some sort of where the, where the, where the specialty malts or the adjuncts were a little bit too 
over the top, then you might have a better idea by doing this the 100 grain uh, Brian Hunt TM trademark. Uh, <coughs> yeah, don't don't steal it. Don't yeah, Test and I think that you might have a good idea. It, I think it's one of those things that could have. It's it's something that you don't want to, you know, uh, put all your eggs in one basket on. But I think it'd be part of like kind of doing a recipe formulation. I mean, okay, that's what I think. What about? See, I kind of I do like Jamil's suggestion of maybe taking out some of the base malt, but then, but then you what I don't like is that you're not. That's thing. not the full recipe. But, yeah. You're getting a fraction I'll, of the recipe. I'll give you one. It was it was very balanced. It was. It, uh, Good recipe. Grain and the beer and is very balanced. Beer balance. Yes, it is. So, but the, the but if you sit there and you, you can actually you can sit there and like you, you're all experts. You can like pull the bitterness Thank out, you. and you can taste what's going on in terms of the malt component. I think that's that's, that's what, I, what I'd be doing. All right. See, the thing is, I get more. I get more. If I had a, malt a, a bunch of different grains, out of different recipes, I could probably pull it out. And I think that's that's where you're right in this. If you gave me a, a you can match them up a bunch of stout sure. grains and you know for your stout recipe and uh, compared to the pale ale, the pale mm-hmm. ale is up to yeah. Doc would be able to do those too. Yeah, I right. think this whole segment <laughs> would have been a lot better <laughs> if I turned Doc's and Jamil's microphone off and just uh, paid attention to me and Sean O'Sullivan and uh, how we like it. I guess you could do that. I like yeah. How you and Sean O'Sullivan like it? How we like yes. it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it makes for much. The character of the show is changing dramatically. Much better radio. Okay, uh, I have questions about a couple spe- uh, specific specialty malts um, that I want to uh, uh, cover. Uh, someone wants to know how would toasted malts taste different than um, uh, toasted oats? Sorry, how would toasted oats uh, taste different than toasted two row if they were heated in the same oven, for example? One tastes like toasted oats. The other tastes like toasted two row. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, toasted oats starts to taste like uh, cookies. Cookies, yeah, like oatmeal cookies. Oatmeal oh, cookies, yeah. and and uh, two row tastes like well caramel malt. Well, well, it, well biscuity, m- biscuity, biscuity, yeah, biscuity. Munich, oh. yeah. 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 You see how much better Doctor Scott's answer was than yours, Jamil. You see that? What? No, no. This is the type of answer Doctor Scott was encouraging earlier on. I see. Off microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing you under the bus, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Fair enough. Better and than me. Another specific specialty You're malt next, uh, question. <laughs> Someone wants to know uh, what does Caravienna add to a beer? Why? Why would we use Caravienne or Vienna? None of you know. Have you ever used Caravienna before? I've yeah. used it. Who makes Caravienna? I just That's didn't know a, why. Is that a? It's like Caramel so Munich. Well, what are well, what environment, we start with? Environments makes it, I think. I think Brees has one without the trademark name. Okay. Well, so what are our Caras then? Because there's a, there's a, there's a Cara Pills, there's a Cara right, Vienne, right. there's a Cara Munich. Cara Pills is obviously is the Brees trademark name, which is Dextrin Malt. Mm-hmm. Um, which adds Vienna malt no flavor. Is, no flavor at all. Just but is the prefix Cara, does that represent something? Are they, they're all kind well, of a similar... Uh, actually, I think Cara, I think Cara Vienna is probably a, de- a, a, a Dextrin Malt. Right, but it also has a bit of a, uh, a flavor and, uh, you know, a, a, a slight, um, you know, a richer, richer flavor along the lines of the Vienna. It's not like and glass they, or the, uh, but, but then the they milk. have the, the Caramunic, which is, uh, much more crystally. 
This like is a, a train wreck. Like a light, light, this <laughs> it is. What is wrong no, with you no, people? No, I mean, no, I mean, actually, he makes a good point because uh, what happened is that Brees puts out this uh, Carapils malt, and it's actually unlike any other malt. And and, and and everybody who brews knows what this thing is. And so some of the other uh, uh, malt suppliers have producing sort of a, a quote-unquote dextrin malt, but it's not like Carap- it's not like Carapils at all. Okay. They've kind of done their own thing with it. And uh, I get the feeling that... Uh, uh, Caravienna is probably what uh, Jamil's talking about. It probably has a little bit more flavor, and it's probably not as uh, dextrin enriched as uh, as Carapils is. At the same time, it's probably ask, adding like sort of some sort of flavor component as well, like a toasty flavor component. Dan Gordon was talking quite at length about how the different uh, how uh, crystal malts done in England and crystal malts or Carapils. Or Kara Munich or uh, Inc, uh, German are, are quite a bit different. It's just a whole different animal. So, a uh, short answer to the listener is uh, go find out your damn self. Well, no, no, no. We, no. You know, well, it's a, how do you describe, you know, a color? How do you describe a flavor? You know, we're, we're, we're kind of dancing okay. around what we're Well, I, I think we're, we're, we're trying to get into what's the difference, how they're made when... It's the, easier the when essence, you say compare one sh- to the other. The essence of this show is what's it going to do to my beer? Right, right. Okay, another question that came through then, since we're covering these. Uh, someone wants to know, uh, what exactly is brown malt? I want to know what it is. Well, Brock and I talked about yeah. this earlier. Yes. Brown malt, basically, it's, it's a base malt. Uh, it's more of an older malt. Uh, they don't make it very much anymore. Uh, it's just kiln at a higher temperature than two-row or pale malt. Well, and it, it barely converts. And it barely, barely. because they, they, they've you killed really it. You really want to throw in they've, some. They've killed it at such a high temperature; it's barely at the point where they've just almost denatured the the uh, well, enzyme. I don't like brown malt. I think it's a dirty right. malt. Well, and, but, well no, and I, that's I agree. All the, and everybody says that you have to, in order to make a brown ale, you have to well, use no, brown well, malt. No, I no, 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 no. That. Yeah, I, I think all you're 100 right. That's all, that's all they used to be until they came up with yeah. better, better well, techniques. But but so like an old world malt. Today's brown malt, though, is. You know, it, it's a you know standard you know pale malt. They they jack it up to sixty love or you know between forty and sixty depends on what malster. And uh, the the thing about it is, if you've had the the only recipe I use it in is in a brown porter. If you've had Sam Smith's Taddy Porter, that's brown malt in that background. That kind of odd. Kind of toasty, flavor. dark, cool okay. thing that we like. Flavor yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean, Sam great. Smith Taddy Porter is a is a great beer. Okay, but that 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 one, you know, if you want that flavor, you need brown malt. Okay, and uh, I, uh, in design, Ray Daniels designing great beers. He's got a recipe in there for making like mild malt and brown malt and a couple other things. If you don't have that book, get that book. It's great. But, it is um, great. It's a good book. You, you yeah, can make your own brown malt if yeah. you can't can't find it somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to come by. Uh, actually, more beer carries it now. The book, brown, brown, malt. Brown, the brown malt, and the book, and the book. You can get both at more. I didn't yeah, know they sure. carried brown malt. Yeah, I was on the website and they carried brown malt. I'm like, oh, well, I, I was all ready to go to Northern Brewer because <laughs> yeah. I needed it. But okay, okay. Another question: um, Someone would like to know the difference between crystal malt and caramel malt. What are the difference between those two? Essentially the same thing. They are. Is it One, just different names? See, this is an interesting thing when you talk about maltsters and 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 and, uh, and the people who are supplying it. They because don't want to some, get sued. And well, and but some places will call the exact same malt two different things. Well, right. it's interesting because uh, uh, Chris Malting Company, which is, I use a lot of their specialty malts. Okay. They produce a 15L crystal, which I use in my IPA, and then they then they use they also have a caramel malt. 
they call caramel malt, which is actually a 15L Levabon uh, malt. And you you try to ask them, well, what is what's the difference between the two? And there's absolutely you, you, nobody nobody can respond to it. It's almost it's almost comical. How do they taste so, out of a shot glass, though? <laughs> So I don't know what's called grains. over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I, 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 mean, I don't know, Jamil, if you had experience with that because I, I mean, I have the feeling like uh, there's very similar malts. I think the caramel from uh, Crystals uh, is a, sort of their version of Carapils. It's, it's their dextrin malt, actually. And uh, but the 15L Crystal, if you look at the, if you actually look at the uh, analysis, they're almost identical. Okay. Jamil's looking at him like a deer Jamil, in the headlights. Okay. Jamil, that was like my... We're playing the, tennis The go-to right question. Like, yeah. And it just went whooshing by me. Yeah. <laughs> but do you do you agree with this analysis? You, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, th- I think the whole term caramel and caramel malt and crystal malt... I think uh, it's pretty interchangeable. interchangeable. Synonymous. Yeah. Okay. You know, it depends. really uh, good to know. You know, if you're talking about English uh, maltsters or U.S. maltsters or German maltsters... Um, yeah. It's really good to know because this is a confusing thing, you know, no, for, that, that, for homebrewers. That, that in particular, the you know. 15L versus uh, caramel versus the car- uh, uh, crystal malt versus the caramel, to me, is very confusing as a professional brewer. Really? And I'm easily confused. Um, but um, the whole dextrin malt game is almost is you know something that you know, I think that uh, Brees is kind of like taken on with carapils. Okay. And you have carafoam, and you have all these other sort of Cara-red. malt. red. Cara red. And you have like what you know what is going on there. And uh, I don't know. Selling more product, baby. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm feeling really. Man, I were kind of like more questions. Yeah, I do have a lot of uh, different questions. Let's start in front hammering of. through those bad boys. Why does the attenuation of uh, the attenuation ability of yeast? This is from one of our uh, live listeners here today too. Um, the attenuation ability of yeast increase when using simple or refined sugars. He says, i.e., like, uh, why will you end up with a lower terminal gravity when, when sugars are used? It's the type of sugars that are available to the, to the yeast. Okay, so, uh, you know, sugar tends to have an easier time, certain types of sugars that are easy to break down into the, the compounds that it, it turns into alcohol and, uh, and water and CO2. And uh, certain types of sugars, the longer chain sugars, it's not able to break down. And the leftover, and, and it just doesn't touch them. And so that, that they, also they add, end up in in the beer, and it, it adds up. That adds to the terminal gravity, right? Sugar. It, so, it still looks at uh, dissolved sugar in that solution, whether it's long chain or short chain sugars, right? And and uh, different, uh, you know, uh, lager yeast can can break down uh, some of the longer chain sugars, the maltotrioses. And uh, ale yeast can't, so that's one of the differences between ale that's yeast. Why it and makes it a little yeast. bit cleaner of a beer, right? And it's able to attenuate a little bit further. Okay. So, you know, the longer chain the sugar, the less it's able to break down. So when you go to a mash temperature, a low mash temperature favors uh, shorter chain sugars. It breaks the starches down into the shorter chain sugars. The yeast are easily able to ferment those. That's why the beer ends up thinner okay. and drier. If it's uh, you know, if you use a higher mash temperature. You end up with a longer chain sugar, the the, the dextrins. <laughs> um, that's that's why you know the yeast can't ferment it. You end up with a lot more body. 
not really a lot of sweetness, but uh, a lot more body. Yeah, which is what we were talking about in, in, in the IPAs. You got to use a lot of malt in there, but you want it to dry out. So you try to get the alcohol or the, the original gravity up with adding uh, sugar to it, or just simple sugar, dextrose, sucrose, whatever you have, and it'll actually will ferment it down farther and make it a drier beer. And you'll hear Jamil talk a lot about uh, whether or not you have a, a more dextrinous wort or a less dextrinous wort or even a more dextrinous beer in the end or a less dextrinous beer. Jamil, it's a great de- uh, descriptor of, uh, of beer and you'll hear Jamil say that and that's kind of what he's talking about is these are residual sugars uh, end up, be- when he says dextrinous, it's because these long chain sugars are kind of left behind and that's kind of what he's talking about. So uh, you got a, a question in front of Yeah, I got you, a sir? question from the chat room actually versus Dr. Scott. Uh, does chewing on grains wear out the enamel on your teeth? Good question. Sure. Yeah. But so does, like, everything else, right? Well, you can always tell... I like, I like the fact that the doctor was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, the, you, the one funny thing that's strange, they could uh, always tell who was a peasant in uh, Old World and who wasn't, because in uh, Egypt especially. The, the peasants had a lot flatter teeth because their bread was always mixed with sand and other things. Really? But, but the, the the people that had a lot of money... Yeah. Their, their Not bread, a lot of sand. Their bread wasn't, didn't time. have a lot of sand, so their teeth weren't as worn down. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So as much as you use... So don't put sand in your food. Okay, so that ten thousand dollar junket to uh, Tahiti actually learn something. Yeah, and and by the way, uh, if you're ever digging up dead people, you'll be able to know whether they were poor or not. Yeah, uh, if you just how old they are and things like that. It's one of Sean's hobbies. It's a hobby. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing this weekend, Sully? I can't do the show because I'm uh, digging up dead people. Yeah. I'm going to England, and they, they found a new field full of dead people. I'm, I'm trying to find out if they ate sand or not. A little carbon dating in your future. No, that's, that's too advanced for me. Okay. I think a lot of the other questions I do have are about adjuncts, so we're going to need to move on to that. Uh, I want to cover just a uh, – because I said we do it, so so I, I want to get to it. I don't want to leave people hanging. Uh, I want to cover these stouts. So really quickly, uh, let's talk about um, – uh, Either Jamil or Doc, your stout recipe, some of the specialty malts that that you'd put in there, just real real quickly. Well, we were talking about dry stout, then it's you know roasted barley and you know maybe some flake barley. And that's right. It. Okay, and that's it. And the rest yeah. would be like some regular, like a two row. Right. Because right. you, you don't want caramel flavors, and if you taste like a Guinness, there's no caramel no. in there, and people so, make a big mistake. I, of adding I don't caramel like I don't like dry stout, so I, I tend more towards an English or an oatmeal stout. Right, oatmeal stout. I, I really like oatmeal stout. stout. You might yeah. you might toss a little bit of uh, crystal malt, uh, light uh, and I, crystal I like, malt in there. I like chocolate and chocolate malt in mine. Right, uh, but in the dry stout, so you're really only going for color then with those specialty malts. Well, no. See now, the the roasted barley that'll add a, a dryness to the beer. Okay. The dry stout has a huge IBUs and has a lot of uh, uh, the, the astringency that dries out the beer. Okay. And and not a lot of residual sugar. It's actually it, when they say dry stout, they really mean <laughs> kind of puckering. Yeah. yeah. And it and it's that dryness uh, that comes from the roasted malt uh, that really helps if you. Suck on a charcoal briquette, which I've I done before. Do. I did that last weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty I was arrested dry. in Monterey for that. Look like Al Jolson. <laughs> yeah. And and okay. And then so if we're talking about then like an oatmeal stout, something that's a bit sweeter, then what are those uh, specialty malts? That well, we're using? you might throw in a little light crystal into that. I don't I don't make the oatmeal stout very sweet, but you, you would throw in a little light crystal to give some residual sweetness. You throw in some oats, obviously. Uh, flaked oats as well. Okay. And if Sean O'Sullivan is throwing fish in his, 
Is that an adjunct? They're or not is, fish. Is that they a specialty malt? Bivalves. <laughs> is our oysters a specialty I, malt? I think the only reason he throws it in is he likes saying the word bivalve. <laughs> he does. Got kind of a he likes that and he romantic. likes he likes neophyte. In fact, he likes neophytes with bivalves. He's touching himself while he says bivalves. <laughs> I think he's a neophyte with bivalves. All right, here's what we're going to do. If you have more uh, specialty malt questions, please feel free to join the chat room and ask us because uh, I'd love to. It's a tough topic because there's so many different specialty malts, and they're used in such different ways that it's hard for us to cover every one. So what I'd like you to do is if you have specific questions, go ahead and send them into the chat room. Daniela will get them to us, and we'll try to cover uh, what you really want to know about the use of these specialty malts. And I do have a couple of, of questions in front of me still that we'll cover, but uh when we come back from the break, we're going to move into adjuncts because I do have okay. a lot of questions about that, and we'll try to do a, do? a, a fairly brief uh, synopsis of, of what they are and, and how to use them. Well, you have a lot of questions, but we're doing a brief synopsis. That's exactly Good. what's happening. All right, Dr. Scott. You know what brief means for me. It means yeah, we'll be done here about 10 o'clock, right? So uh, right. hang in there, everybody. Broadcasting live from downtown Joe's. Yes, Daniela? Hang on. we got a big surprise for you here. Oh, really? I have to stop? Then I, I can't go to break? I can't uh, do it after the, the break. Carlo, how are you doing? Carlo, what's happening? I'm doing really good. Have you brought beer? So Carlo made all the way out here, although he's been so sick most recently, to bring you a beer in a real Belgian glass. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I even brought a glass. Car- it's a you Russian know, river glass. And it, it's in a Russian river glass. What have you, what's the beer? What do you brought me? Well, it's a sour? I think you sent me an email about this, right? It is. It's a sour. It's the yes. one. It actually it was yes. from about a year ago. Yeah. And you had tasted it on the air. And I think it was John, Jonathan who said, you got to enter this. Oh, okay. And so I did. And it kind of got me into entering competitions and doing different things. So okay. I, it's been a year. And I saved. Is that one, the last bottle? One last one for you. No shit. You yeah. saved all, all, at all that beer. You give me the last bottle. That's and awesome, they, man. Yeah, no, that's okay. It was because of you guys. So oh, cool. You know what's cool about Carlo? I think that a long time ago, uh, Carlo sent me an email or something, and I was having a bad day, and I got all bitchy at the poor guy. <laughs> Didn't I, like, yell at you or something? I was like, you're In an ass. forum, I think. Something like that. And, and it turned out that I was the ass, not Carlo. And uh, he just was yeah. like, he's like, hey, I'm having a little fun with you, buddy. Relax. <laughs> and, uh, I think we settled it on the Dan Gordon show, though. Yeah, it's is that what happened? It's okay. It's Fair enough. Good. Wow, that's really cool. So Carlo came all the way out, and all right, I'd, I'd love to try it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, man. I'm not that far actually i tried to come last weekend but i got sick so okay this time nothing was gonna stop him. you should have lied you should have said like i yeah i drove here from nevada yeah that would that would have been better a little more dramatic <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> but uh last time i was here i think i had lunch with dr scott oh yeah. no kidding yeah so yep, carlos yep. Uh, in here yeah over the, the corner of the the bar over there so he's yeah. not like a psycho or anything oh well time. he follows me around <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> Okay. All right, let's drink. Yeah, let's try some of that beer. Let, let's do it before we go to the break because I'd like to, uh, I mean, if I'm going to spit it out, we should do it on the air. And if I'm going to love it, we should likewise, you know, do it on the air. Right? Either way, Carlo's doing a good job. He's pouring it exactly how we should, trying to keep sediment behind. No, I was uh, say Carlo has, like, perfect hair, and he's wearing, like, this really, like, Sean's the, hitting the on Frenchman turtle. Uh, he's, like, wearing the, fr- exactly. He's, like, he's, I just came in from the field, and I, uh, the fr- no, that's the, my French-German accent. That's, uh, oh, Sullivan for Will You Go Home With Me yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is what all that was. All right. Wow. This is, that's really cool, Carlo. All right. Let me. Uh, oh, it smells good. Okay. After Justin, because he's a germ phobe. Yeah. I can't. Uh, but then uh, you have to wait until. Do I have to share? Well, you have to. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. I'm the least germaphobe, so this, per- this line is perfect. Oh, yeah. That's good, Carlo. <laughs> 
No, I would. You know I would say if it was nasty. I'd spit it all over my keyboard right here. Share it, bitch. I want to try it, too. Oh, listen, to, <laughs> listen to how angry Daniela is tonight. Oh, that was, uh, <laughs> that's really awesome. It's really good. It's it's smooth. It's um it's it's got Brett, yeah, because it's pretty subtle. It's it's sour, but it's really kind of a smooth and and subtle sour. It's almost uh, it's kind of a cross between uh, I would say like a Brett Lambic and a saison. Okay, just pass but it's it down here, but please. it's neither one. It, you see what I mean? It's kind of like right in the middle. And this is your last bottle. That's so cool. Let me take another drink before Sean's like. Before he doesn't want it back. You know he's not taking it back after we all. That's really awesome, and I think it's hard to say that a that a sour beer is clean because it's, but it is clean, clean. right? Like you should have the effects of of the yeast, uh, but it should be clean. The sourness, Uh, yeah. But on top of that, that should be it. You know, it's really clean too. It's got a nice malty Uh, character too. Fantastic! All right, they're passing it down the line. We'll let the guys talk about it when they uh, when we come back from the break. So uh, hang in there, everybody. We're going to talk about uh, Carlos beer when we come back, and we're going to move into ad. Jones with uh, with Dr. Scott. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. I have no less than uh, five beers in front of me. It's uh, it's really unbelievable. I've got uh, two of Sean Paxton's beers in front of me. I've got Carlo's beer in front of me, which I got back now that it's been down the backwash line, and you guys gave me the uh, the final. Are you actually going to drink it again? I don't think so. I don't think. And I are. really want to because it's so good. But you guys gave me back all the spittle from the rest of the. Doc's going to drink it. He's fine with spittle. And, uh, I stick my hands in places you would never even think of looking. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that's disgusting. Can you turn my mic on, please? Sorry. There you what go. Did, what Doc said about what? Well, what? he's weirded out about you know he won't drink. This that everybody tasted before? Because oh, it's like the it's the bottom, it's the spittle. Like even Sully, even you don't want that, right? I, drink, I, I don't have a problem with that. Jamil wants Jamil it. Wants it? it yeah. And and he's talking about how he would drink a beer made from Doc. Come on, <laughs> spit. He won't. He won't touch the like the glass. Because exactly. at least if it was made from Doc, it wouldn't be spit. Spit freaks me out. Doc is full of spit. I'm, Come on. My hands are in spit all day long. You know how when you're talking to people and sometimes they spit and they, it'll get on your face? I've met some women that way. And I used to be fine. And you go, that. And Now I run. gag. I start to gag. Yesterday I was at the Barley Wine Fest and somebody spit on my face accidentally was talking Quick, to me. Doc, spit on him. And spit I, on him. Let's and see I it gagged. Happen. I totally gagged. Like right there. I was about to. Leak on him. It's about to you. Daniela, what's happening? No, that actually happened to me. Did you puke? No, no. I, I, I uh, leaked on somebody, and she's cute, and she said, I don't mind, and it was all good. So. <laughs> Sounds like it was a wild night from yeah, there. Yeah, it was. Danielle, it was a wild night before. Go ahead. I want to. I just want to say I love you, boo, and I'm sending a big bussy to coat. Are you the jerk of the week? What? You sounded all uh, slurry and stuff. Uh, Daniela, what's going on? Yeah, what's a and big... And some spanking to grains. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever. Spanking. Apparently, you, you got to be in You the, know, it's, it's some weird German code word. At least I'm not drunk of the week. Have you I used your safe sure. word yet? Yeah. All the more reason to join the chat. Uh, hit the chat now button right on our homepage. It's a little late now, but uh, we got one more topic to cover and uh, uh, still Poor a few parents. questions in, in front of me as well, which we're going to make sure that we get to. A lot of listeners have come out. What did you guys think of Carlo's beer? Because we went to break when I passed it down the line. It was good. It I, th- was, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was. Uh, it had sort of sort of those things that you have in a Brett beer. But as Jamil and I were talking about, it seemed a little, maybe a little sweet. Okay, uh, had a little bit of malt. I, I just got like not really sweet. I just got to this malty background that came through. It, it's not bad. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think Sean and I were thinking a little too much. Attenuate a little bit further, dry it all the way. Because most of those Brett beers, you know, it needs that dryness in it. I think. I think. I, I think we're just more conditioned that Brett beers are just nasty dry, and it's just like, not nasty. I mean, wait, no, you know, it's, no, it's just that Vinnie makes. Brett, and but Brett beers are just so dry. dry that it just makes you your mouth pucker. Yeah, but I think that's one of the characteristics. Are, are, and are we are we so entrained a, to that? Well, I think that it's that's a what, nice. That's what I we expect. I think it's a nice balance. It right. makes it, it the the measure of a great beer, and talk about like you know Twenty uh, First Amendment IPA. You can drink. You hear that? You know, pint after pint after pint of the stuff. He just and, calls your beer great. And, and uh, if, it, 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 no, the, the the seriously, the great beers out there are the ones that you sit down and you can have a pint. You can have yeah. another pint. You can have another pint until you drop dead on the floor. And you will. You you would just be like, oh, I gotta have another. I gotta have another. Gotta have another. If something is a little too sweet or something right. too dry, yeah. right. like you're right. saying, right. you know, either way, not gonna work. And, and and in this case, I think Sean and I are both in agreement that. I, I wouldn't drink a pint of that. I mean, it's a really nicely done beer, but a pint uh, needs to be a little drier for I, a pint. I, I think okay. you're right. Okay. It needs to be a little bit drier. Um, from a homebrew uh, I think it's, I think from, it's spectacular from, from somebody, a homebrew home is making something like that. Uh, I've tasted some people that have tried to do that homebrew and just yeah. sucks. Like, no, try my sour beer and you're like... We've had some very oh, impressive yeah. beers here. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a good perk of the BN, and, and maybe a part of the growth of the BN is our, our listeners uh, hopefully are, are improving uh, along with us. So uh, we, we really have. In fact, Doc, I'm trying to remember the last time somebody sent us a bad beer, which doesn't mean you shouldn't send, a, a send us your, your, your bad beers. But uh, I don't think we've had one in a while. We've had a lot of really good beers and people showing up uh, and bringing us good stuff. I've got a bunch. Uh, a few of you have sent us beer in the mail. I have it in the fridge at home. And when we're back in the studio next week, we're going to do some tastings. And, Jamil, uh, one listener in particular sent some beer uh, Particularly for you, he really wants you to try it. So we're going to yeah. do that uh, uh, right. next Sunday as well. Okay, why don't we start talking about uh, adjuncts? And we already started in the beginning of the show that they're 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 basically um, they're, they're sugars that don't come from from malt. Um, they're, they're they're they can be they can be corn, they can be rice, they can be corn sugar, they can be molasses, they can be any uh, kind of these adjuncts where you're looking to uh, increase the gravity and and sometimes to uh, leave behind some flavors, but most often to actually increase the gravity without uh, having residual flavors and and. I I do have some questions about that, but uh, uh, now I, I want to start with Sean O'Sullivan. You're a commercial brewer. Yeah. I, 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 a lot of people go, okay, Anheuser Busch, uh, the adjunct, you know, brewer kind of thing. And so, so they might think that craft brewers, uh, you know, shouldn't use adjuncts because 
uh, they are thinking of this Anheuser Busch thing. Uh, do you use any kind of adjuncts in any any of your beers? Because I want to talk about that. Well, I use um, oysters, as you pointed out. That's right. Uh, yeah. And uh, I I do use uh, uh, flake barley. But there was a beer that I made at. Um, at uh, Steelhead Brewing Company, actually, it was a pre-pro uh, beer, and I used uh, uh, probably about ten percent to twenty percent uh, uh, corn, flaked corn, uh, and uh, or and uh, and that the whole idea behind that was to drive the uh, was to drive the uh, alcohol up and leave the uh, the body alone. And uh, the thing about it is that we fermented it. Like the the pre-prohibition style beer was basically sort of a, a hybrid beer in a lot of ways, where you. Uh, you used an ale yeast. You handled it. Um, you fermented it as an ale yeast, and then you would drop it down, uh, and and there's significant chilling uh, or, or cold lagering actually. But and it was still ferment. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we fermented it warm and then crash it down. Okay. And uh, I had a lot of response from the home brewing community that it was like, wow, this is great. This is a great pre fro beer. And uh, so that's an opportunity actually for that style to use uh, flaked corn, and that's okay. what I use. I used. Uh, uh, flaked white corn, I think it was from, uh, uh, might have been from Brees actually. And was there no residual flavor that came out of your use? No, not at all. Uh, it was a fairly light beer. I think it started around eleven and a half Play-Doh, okay, and uh, dropped down to maybe uh, two and a half to three Play-Doh, and uh, we kept the hops way down. And the idea was to sort of mimic a lager because I was using a, uh, I was using a. Uh, a uh, fruity uh, English strain, uh, fruity. strain, fruity, fruity, yeah, and, uh, and but we, because of the, I think the long uh, aging time that uh, it came across as being uh, had a, like a lager tendency. So. Was the strain so, called Castro? Was that well, the uh, yeast strain? I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, w- w- one of the things, though, you know, if as a home brewer, if you're looking at adjuncts as a negative thing, something yeah. that you wouldn't use. It would be like an artist uh, not using the color white. Okay. Yeah. Or pink, for example. Or or, or using or using uh, a thinner to like mellow, mellow the colors. So you know, it, it's, it's just point. another tool in the arsenal. It's another color in the palette, and yeah. it's and it's something you need to, you know, understand what it does. Uh, you know, help to uh, dry out the beer, provide the alcohol without uh, you know a lot of flavor. Uh, again, critical in th- something like a double IPA. Yeah, you cannot make a double I- a good double IPA without yeah. uh, having some uh, sugar in there. Yeah, we had a dextrose out. actually, and that's to, uh, because you need to to have a big bodied kind of a sweeter malt backbone to to cover the hops. No, Is that, you not, wanna... not too big. Okay. No, you oh, wanna, oh you, I see. Yeah, you want to get you want to get the fermentables in there because you don't want to create too much of a body in the beer. Okay, you want it to burn clean or ferment clean, like. Uh, Jamil was talking about. Okay. Okay. You need a high sense. attenuation. No, yeah, I you need see. you need to push your yeast to to, to go much further because if you're providing providing all maltose in the beer, it's going to uh, you know get to a certain point. You know the the yeast that uh, you know the attenuation percentages they're on a typical work whatever uh, you know and let's say you're looking at Calio yeast and it goes in you know in the mid seventies. If you want to push that up into the 80s, you need to provide simple sugars that it can easily chew through and, and, and get to that point. Okay. okay. So you need a lower mash temperature. You need some simple sugars. And that's why uh, you have to add this, this simple sugar. Same thing goes for a lot of Belgian beers. Those are tend to be high-alcohol beers. Yeah. If you do not add simple sugar to them, they become that. cloyingly sweet. And they're not good beers. Okay. You have to, you know, and, and uh, you know, my favorite adjunct is, uh, you know. Your uh, mother. Oh, yes, no, I'm sorry. Is, sorry. is uh, I'm just sorry. plain old table sugar. Really? So, you just know, C&H is my buddy. 
when I want to uh, you know, make some of those bigger alcohol beers. And you'll use that before corn sugar, which is more commonly used. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's same sugar. Whatever. It's the same thing. It really doesn't uh, okay. you know, affect the flavor. You, you don't want to get to, uh, you know, like past 30%. You can go up to 10%, no problem. It's not going to affect the beer. You go 20%, it starts to be borderline, and uh, you get to 30%, 30% you're going to kind of notice the flavor difference. I did have a question come through about that, was what percentage, uh, you know, you could add before you are going to see the... Uh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I'm Fantastic. Well, a lot of times, uh, you know, Grandpa's uh, bathtub beer yeah. was 50% sugar. Right. Too much sugar is, is, is going to be a bad thing. Okay. Dr. Scott, what's another example? They mentioned IPA, uh, like a double IPA. What's um, another example of a beer um, that I, you... I just recently, I, I, I brewed, I uh, started out with, uh, basically I was going to make a cream ale. Cream ale has corn maize in it. Okay. And I split the batch, and I did uh, Cal-Ale yeast on half of it, and the other half I did a uh, lager yeast, um, American lager yeast. Uh, they're both about the same kind of grist, uh, about 18, 20% uh, flaked uh, corn. Okay. And the rest is was all Pilsner malt. Uh, totally different beers. I mean, I, one I fermented at uh, 48, the other one I fermented at about 64. One was a great cream ale at 64. It was really great. Head and above it was was the lager that I did. Okay. At uh, the, the 50, 48, 50 degrees. It just lightened the whole thing. It, did it taste like a Budweiser? No. Yeah. It tasted like an awesome homebrew, a really light, awesome homebrew that you could uh, get anybody to drink. Okay. So here's my stupid question of the day, because that's my job. When you're talk, when we're talking about these uh, adjuncts, are, are we putting them in the mash, or can yes. we just throw them right in the kettle? Um, like, I, why would I oh. throw the sugar right in the kettle? Sugar right in the kettle. Sugar right in the kettle. You can put the sugar in the fermenter if you want. But some of those adjuncts, they're starch, yeah, and they need to be converted in the mash. That's why, as an extract brewer, you cannot take flake corn or flaked oats or flake barley and put them and steep them in, in your extract brew. Okay. You're just adding starch. They need to be converted. They need to be converted. And they don't self-convert? No. So they no. need to be put in with something like a two-row yes. that has the enzymes to convert it. No, they, right. haven't, they haven't been mashed. They, okay. haven't, they haven't been malted, so we haven't like started their own enzymes in itself to be there when you want to mash them. Okay. So we have to put them in with something else that actually has enzymes in it already. Someone asked uh, if, if, if oak is considered an adjunct. No. Uh, and it's not. Oak is really, it's, more, it's a flavor profile more than anything. Yeah. Okay. So you're just, and you're imparting some things. It's not something. Yeah. What, feel like so adding uh, that might, uh, actually, a spice. Maybe we need to define adjunct better. Adjunct is a fermentable. It, it can be a fermentable. It, okay. It, it can be converted. So it, um, you know, it, it can be fermentable in the, the form of like table sugar or dextrose or whatever. It could be a starch like, um, you know, a handful of flour or uh, cornstarch, cornstarch, or okay. uh, you know, uh, flaked oats or something like that. Okay. Now, what about uh, if it's we're a doing non-barley addition to the beer that adds 
that adds something. Eventually, or, 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 no, or, or maybe a okay. non-malt, and is and is fermentable. Okay. You know, it, it goes through a process. Eventually, it's a fermentable. Okay, so start. that makes me want to non-barley ask, fermentable. If we're doing, say, a mash of a of a, a fully wheat beer, an all wheat type uh-huh. of beer, oh, wheat yeah. wine, we want to use uh, rice holes in yeah. our mash tuns so that we don't get that compacted thing. Because but rice holes uh, is not an adjunct, is it? It's just no, a, it's a filtering it's a filtering aid. aid. That's it's, all it's it just, is. It's just husk material. But rice itself, if we were to put rice into our beer, adjunct. that adjunct. is an adjunct. Because it's got fermentable. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of our key difference there is that, like you said, yep. Jamil, eventually it will add to fermentables right, in the beer. Right, right. If one way or the or, It's or a another. non-barley-based fermentable. Okay. Would be adjunct. I okay. Guess. Fantastic. And can you... come up with a good definition. I know. It's hard to be just real clear and concise really about, about that. It. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then could you just one more time uh, give us the percentages that, uh, that, that you could use up to before you start having adverse effects in your beer. That, that depends on your base malt. Well, it depends on the adjunct. Which well, this this also goes along to this question here, which is uh, it has uh, aren't Bud and Miller thirty percent adjuncts? Well, okay. but it depends on when the adjunct is. If it's table sugar, uh, you're gonna you need to limit yourself to you know ten twenty percent. If it's rice or corn or or oats or whatever, you can go much higher. For example, I just made a dry stout using twenty uh, percent flake barley. It's no problem, you know that it, it, you're not going to notice any sort of flavor problem with that. Same thing, uh, you know, with uh, flaked rice, flaked corn, any of that stuff, or you know, rice or corn. Okay. So you can go much higher on those. The the issue is on something like that. Uh, if you're going to go thirty percent uh, corn or rice, you need a high enzyme base malt. So it's one of the reasons why you use six row malt is has right. a lot of uh, enzymes. Colin was able talking to about the DP or the diastatic right. power of it, and uh, six row has a lot more of that. Right. You you could go fifty fifty with with six row with malt six row. and not have a problem. And, and, and it said that that's one of the reasons why Bud and Miller kind of went to adjuncts because they were having to use a lot of six row. It has a little bit of a more uh, husky flavor to it. It's a little bit more grainy. Yeah. And they wanted to cut that back. It's also cheaper. And, and, and I also you know, think that there's a lot more corn around. A lot more rice in, in that, that belt there. There's a lot cheaper and malt is expensive. So they want to cut that back. Sure. So it, it had to do with well, it does a couple reduce of the flavor. Things. I mean, you, you end up with a very low flavor beer, but which the, is you know one of the things that they were trying to do. Yeah, and that and is know, the they're, goal. They're That's doing it on purpose. They're not like screwing around here. Success, they know, by they the know way. exactly what the hell they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So they they're, not, do, they're not idiots. They, they do they, it because, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch uh, sells, you know, 50% of what, you know, everybody drinks. So, That's right. Uh, they're doing something right. No dummies. Right. Scantily exactly. clad women in the ad advertisement. <laughs> I don't think that'll... And uh, you got to be smart enough to put them up in that ad. You know. Yeah. A question that came through uh, was, what about using uh, invert syrup? To kick up the gravity, and I don't even know what invert yeah, syrup I is. Think, I don't think the whole reason, yeah, you know, know the that. whole invert thing. What is it? I, I don't even bother. Uh, you know, the invertase that. Um, what happens is um, yeast itself will will invert the sugar. Okay. Um, so there's, yeah, I, I guess if you're, you know, it's it's one less step for the yeast to do. But uh, I, I don't see it worth the trouble. If you want to do it, a lot of the English brewers will use like an invert sugar uh, as part of their process. But as far as flavor or taste goes, I don't think it's an issue. And just you know, pitch a nice, clean, healthy yeast, and uh, you know, adequate amount for what you're brewing, and, and you're fine. You don't need the invert sugar. It's, 
They think it works. They think it makes them work less. Right, but not not really. Flavor profile. I don't think you're going to get anything different if you're cooking it yourself. And you got to add acid. You got to do all these things, and it, then uh, I guess it doesn't really cost you a whole lot more to do it. Um, if you're buying it, forget it. Don't don't screw around. Just use table sugar. You're fine. Um, so somebody's biting me. It's getting it's getting weird in here because Sean's looking at you like you're Sean's a, like you're a steak. Sean's here, and he's starting to bite you. Weird. And Danielle is so, making weird faces over there. So uh, kind of you know, invert sugar. Don't 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 bother with it. Uh, okay. You know, no, you can if, if it makes if it if it makes you feel good, go go for it. But, but there are not, better alternatives. Well, it's a simpler uh, you know, alternative. Use, use your time and your money for brewing more batches. Okay. All right. Listen. Here's what's going to happen. What's it's getting happen? it's getting crazy in this here. Is, actually, I have to tell you There's something. There's a lot of people hanging have, out. If you ever listen to the show, yeah, you I'm, know when Justin is like wants to wind it up. This is when he says, "Okay, listen. All right, listen. Happen. Listen, what's happening? <laughs> Everybody around me is getting out of control. Yeah, I'm going to no, lay down the law right control. now. I think, I think people are going to get hurt. Listening to us. Yeah, it's, I'm uh, going to get sued. I think it's time to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's all yeah. going through his head. See, the police will be here, and somebody's going to cough on me. Somebody's going to talk to me, and spit's going to fly out of their mouth and hit me. I need to go home. When I say okay, listen, everything that Jamil just said is what I mean, and I just I say it in those two words, and he says, but those are the sentences I mean. Here's what I'm gonna do: I'm gonna I'm gonna throw at you the questions that I have in front of me, and then we're gonna wrap things up, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep drinking out here at Downtown Joe's, we're gonna have ourselves a good time, and I hope you folks at home are, are gonna have yourselves a good time as well, uh, you know, just without us. Uh, so here's a couple of the questions I have: uh, some random things. Random. Okay. Like let me what? hit this one here. Okay. Because, okay. Inverse do that one first. Completely. Well. The yeast have invertase in them, and they'll they will invert the sugars. So they'll, they'll break it's, it's it down. Really, it's really not not an issue. Again, you don't need to do invert sugars. And actually, you're yeah, not okay. you're going to end up with no difference. Justin's the the sugar dude now. So I am the sugar dude. You want me to answer this? Yeah, yeah answer this. Oh, I have, but I don't know anything about inverts. That's uh-huh. why I was asking you what an invert sugar is. I don't understand. It's, it's the way that they're they're connected, and uh, if you can change the connection, it's easier for the the uh, the yeast to break them into little parts so they can eat them. Oh well, why didn't you say so? Because I understand that. Okay, <laughs> now that I get. But because uh, what he's the saying, deal. they have the invertase in them. In uh, the yeast does. In yeah. the yeast does. So you don't the really need to go to that. Sugar, so okay. So, uh, like Jamil said, I think before, if you must, go right ahead. But right. maybe it's not it, necessary. Barrel not of it, going, yeah, save, it. Save, yeah, don't go out and buy some. Just, okay, you know, save your money, save your time. Okay. Uh, someone had wanted to to learn tonight about honey malt, uh, since we're talking about specialty malt. So, uh, what is honey malt? Again, it, it, it's another malt that's been. Uh, you know, I think this is a product of. Do you know what uh, maltster does honey malt, uh, Sean? Uh, honey malt, is that... Um, Gambrinus? Gambrinus. Gambrinus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good, yeah. Gambrinus. It, you know, it, it does have an aroma that is sweet that you may associate with honey, but the ending flavor is not honey-like. A lot of people... They say, oh, yeah, I'll use this, and it's going to taste like my beer's going to taste like honey. I'm going to make a honey lager or something sure. like that. No, I, don't, I really don't believe that. It's 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 like a uh, – I get a lot of flavor similar to maybe an aromatic malt. It's, it's very malty. Okay. Plus, if you, if you want to have a beer that tastes like honey, there's this really crazy thing you could put oh, in honey. it. Honey. It's called honey. <laughs> yeah. You should try – you know, 
You should go ahead and throw some honey well, in there. The problem with honey is that if you put it in early, it early, ferments it out completely like and doesn't taste like anything. Oh, okay. Because it's, 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 it's mainly simple like sugar. fructose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you go back to the sugar show, you'll know that. By the way, <laughs> plug. Yeah, that was a that was my own little self plug. Got a lot of uh, kind of random questions. Some of the questions, got, guys, I, I love all the questions that come through. Some of them, and Jamil's talked about this on, on, on the Jamil show. There are some questions that you really just need to go and, and have a read or, or, or look into yourself. Because some of them you need to, the, even if we gave you the long answer, it, it's not as good of an answer as you're going to discover yourself by, by going and, and doing some reading and figuring it out. So, for example, Jamil. Pretty much and, what I tell my 10-year-old. And, and my dad used, that? My pops used to tell me that, too. In fact, they, I don't think he ever answered one question I ever asked you. It's like, hey, go do go why, do it. Why am I stupid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, go figure it out for yourself, son. So, for example, someone wants to know, you know, what's the taste threshold for maple in a brown ale? Now, that is a style question. Like, maybe if you have too much maple in a brown, then it's not going to fit the style. But, you, you know, you really... on the type of maple, because yeah, uh, they, they have all sorts of different grades. Yeah. A, B, C... So there's really just a, kind of a lot of things like this that you need to you kind of need to discover, yeah, give, and you give need a to shot ex- yourself, you know. And, and you'll be, and, and I, I guess what I mean is, uh, I, it's not that you shouldn't ask. I'm, I'm happy to you send the questions, but you're actually going to get a better answer by playing around with different maple right. syrups right. and figuring out well, where, where you're at. And, and one of the things, so 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 the you know the the reason that uh, you know Sean knows what he knows and Colin knows what he knows and. Doc knows what he knows, and why I know what what I know is by brewing something again and again and again and again, and you know, varying the amounts and uh, you know, giving something a shot. And if I knew the answer to this maple question, yeah, I would I would go ahead and say, well, you know, you need six ounces of uh, Type C uh, maple syrup yeah, in a sure. ten forty eight uh, brown ale with, you know, but start it's, low. It's a, you know, basically. you have to do it for yourself. That's right, and see what the flavors are, and if it's really to your flavor threshold. Because my flavor threshold is completely different than, than yeah. Scott's and and Sean's and uh, yeah. Justin's and yeah. you know it, it's really gonna some people that don't even so. like maple got a lot right so different threshold I, really I wouldn't go more than ten percent experimentation work it into when you're when I, you're gonna a good answer when you're gonna put it in uh, you're gonna put it in the right. boil you're gonna right. put it in the fermenter as secondary a, in, in secondary it's gonna come off a little more maple. Flavor. Each of those is going to be less and less uh, needed. Start low, as Jamil always says. Uh, it's easier to put more in than to right. take you more. Can't take, to it take it away. Out. So uh, I would start at ten percent of like your going to Iraq. Yeah, and, it, good. And, but it really depends on when you're going to put it in and what type okay. of maple syrup it is, and what and type of maple is, is it? Grade A, grade B. There's a big difference in the in the the flavor of those two. Here's another question that is similar, although we might have a very short answer for you. Uh, but this is one that you got. You should try it yourself. Someone wants to know how does Munich malt taste different than Victory malt? Well, I'm going to say you know taste the two and, yeah, and decide for yourself. Side by side, it's the uh, easiest way to tell you. But uh, maybe we could give a, a very brief, uh, Jamil. What do you think is the difference between the two, uh, the Victory and the Munich? Can you think off the top of your head? Uh, Victory is a little more intense, if you ask me, and um, you know Munich is very Munichy. <laughs> you know, Munich is a as as stupid as it sounds. Munich is a very distinct flavor. Yeah, that it's like malt. a toasted pale malt. That's actually the best thing about Munich, I think, is right, it how, right. how distinct there's, it is. There's no substitute for Munich malt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I get victory is more of a. Uh, a if you're looking at Vic, uh, Munich, it's going to be a, a sweet caramely almost, and 
as opposed to a, a victory where I'm going to get more roasty toasty out of it. Mm. When you're comparing the two, but if you took one by himself, you're not going to get that out of it. Yeah, you got to really try it side by side. Victory's much more intense. Yes, than uh, Munich Malt. And you got to do it side by side. You can't and take victory's one. What uh, twenty-eight love a bond or uh, trying to think here? Yeah, about twenty-eight love a bond. And uh, most Munich malts are going to be you know from six to uh, twenty. Yeah. And and most Munich that you're going to find at the homebrew shop is going to be eight or ten love a bond. Sully has to pee real bad, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up here pretty soon. We're still going to wonder why he's squeezing. Uh, Colin Kaminsky is going to have to get up here soon because we're going to do stump the brewer before we go. Uh, let me throw this question at you. Uh, all short answers from now on, folks. Uh, what is de bittered malt? Malt that has no bitter. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> so on moving the, on, on. The, on the highly roasted malts, there's no short answer. I'm sorry. On the highly roasted malts, uh, when they remove the husk, something like Carafa Special, there's also some other de-bittered uh, uh, black malts or roasted malts. Yep. Uh, other companies make them. And so they remove the husk, and then they roast them to uh, whatever temperature. And uh, that what happens is it's not quite as astringent and dry and roasty. And it's not as coffee-like. It uh, is a much mellower flavor. So if you want to color a beer... With a D bitter and not provide a lot of roasted stout type characters. Yeah. Use a D D bittered or D husk or uh, you know craft a special. Those are all synonymous. D husk is synonymous with D bittered. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. But if you're doing a German beer. Please, for God's sakes, use carafe special. Please, yeah, uh, okay. it's just the right thing to do. It's the right one. In Don't fact, even uh, think about anything else. If you uh, designing great beers is great because uh, uh, for several reasons. But one of the things it says is if you're trying to uh, recreate a style from yes. a region, use, use the those. grain from that exactly. region. Yeah, sometimes and, uh, you, you you can go ahead and do whatever, but. And we don't have to nice hurry anymore, to by the way, because Sean O'Sullivan just wet himself in his pants. So we don't have he to hurry up everything and, going and uh, out get too. done. He's just wet himself. He's just pulled everything. All right. Colin Kaminsky, come on up here because we're going to do Stump the Brewer. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, hurry up and take that, uh, that league you're about to do. Uh, right we're going to play Stump the Brewer. Uh, before we do that, uh, one last uh, random question that came through. Uh, how long do I need to logger a Bach, Dr. Scott? You're the it's, logger it's master. another one of those questions, do yeah. it yourself type questions. Figure it out. What's a, Is there a general rule? Okay, our Doppelbach. I gave it to you at four weeks after lagering, and you said, it's okay. Yeah. And then I only gave you one of the kegs. Bastard. For a reason. Selfish bastard. Well, part of it was to have you, I knew you tasted the whole way through. Greedy bastard. And about two weeks after that, I thought it was, oh, it's getting better. Yeah. Four weeks after that, oh, it's getting a lot better. Yeah, I'm all out now. And now he's all out. And what was the best pint you had? That last one, it was the really good. The last freaking pint. And it was probably eight weeks old, I think, well, well, eight uh, weeks uh, that I had had it. Okay, you know, uh, the the brewer's rule of thumb is with any lager, yeah. one week per degree Play-Doh. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. That, that, great. That's, great. That's, that's, that's the brewer's rule, rule of thumb. Good rule. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on how clean uh, fermentation you had, yep. how many bugs you got in that thing, you okay. know, yeah, uh, no temperature, bugs. a lot of different things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, keep tasting it, you know, tiny bit every month or so and not like every hour. And and there's there there'll come a point where you'll yep. be going, yeah, it's good, yeah, it's good, yeah, it's good. And you can go, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And when you yep, reach that point, that. That's how you're long. done. That's yeah. how yeah. long Break the logger a box. Because you've got it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you got to, yeah, exactly, like okay. Colin you've got, got about pint, two weeks to drink that Throw thing. a party. But it's also the last pint. Okay. Oh, my God. And Well, it depends. Oh. If you're Justin, then it's... Yeah, that's why I only never reach that point. I still have two more kegs of it. 
if you're me, you go past that point, and then yeah. like a couple of years later, you're going, yeah, that was really good a few years ago. And now it yeah. tastes like sherry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do I get another keg, Doc? Yeah. Sweet. All right. Uh, do we have Stump the Brewer questions, Danielle? Are you getting those ready? Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, we're going to need you up here because we've got a really, like I said at the beginning of the show, we have an esteemed panel of guests here. We've got a lot of brewers and uh, people who know what they're talking about, and you know, and then me. But before uh, so. we start Stump the Brewer, can I apply for uh, Drunk of the Week? Really? <laughs> no. Even Colin, you sound the same right now as you did in the beginning of the show. But well, you're, you're feeling online. it, huh? Yeah. You want to uh, you want to go back and hit the O2 bong with me? Um, well, I don't know. You know yeah, close. you know. We won't do any good till tomorrow. Patron, maybe some absinthe will be good. You're <laughs> nowhere near fine. where I was the, the couple oh, weeks you know, ago. Uh, Colin, I haven't had your absinthe in a long time. Someone tell Sully to pull up his pants. Uh, he's... Yeah, look at that. Oh. Hey, Sully, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The hairy crack. You, you wish for plumber's crack after yeah. something like that. Yeah. Somebody have a Full moon now, baby. All right. I have, you can't look at these, Doc. You're part of the Stump the well, Brewer I'm, panel. I'm really stumping him. Oh, can we, we can huddle on this? Yeah, we're doing a group Let's panel. Let's huddle and get stump. You guys, you guys are brewers. Okay. Um, I don't know. What are we going to give away for this? Are we giving anything away? doesn't matter. Okay. We don't have to give anything away. All right. I've got stuff. You want to give some away? Sure. You want, what, what you want to give, give away a hoodie? Give away a hoodie. A tail wagon hoodie, any size. Okay. So I have three questions in front of me. Sully, you're up here too. Uh, you guys, you're allowed to confer as a panel. You're all fantastic brewers, so I we think we don't it, talk to each other. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't even like each <laughs> other. Talk to these guys. We were lucky we're here next to each other. I have three questions in front of me. If you'd like to send a couple of more stump the brewer questions, uh, then do so. If anybody in the uh, live uh, studio audience has a uh, stump the brewer question, you could win. That would win save a shipping. A uh, <laughs> yes, use, it would. then we don't have to ship anything. And uh, the, Jamil, thank you. And uh, you get a hoodie. You get a, a downtown. Joe's hoodie, which is actually a, a, a cool hoodie. I mean, uh, Sean O'Sullivan doesn't even have any hoodies. You know? <laughs> and neither do I. Because, you know, nothing will fit over that head. You see how you've shown us Sean both up? Sean Paxton wins already. Yeah. He said, what's in his beer? All right, ready. Number one. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> he told me what was This one's beer. funny. Uh, Doc, uh, this is right up your alley. What king is known as the patron, the patron saint of beer? What Ambrose. king? That's right. Sean O'Sullivan doesn't even have to confer with his peers. King Gambrinus is the patron saint, not stumped. It wasn't Augustine Brewer. It was not Augustine Brewer. 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 Uh, always a good guest, Doc, but uh, not this time. Okay. Well, let's see. And oh, I see. Okay. In the late nineteenth century, this one's going to be tough, guys. I kind of want to read a different one first. This one might stump you right here. This might stop the bit. Should I do another one first, Daniela? That, that's going to stop. I think you guys are going to be stumped by that one. I'm right, just read the goddamn question. I'm going to change. I'm doing a different one. Come on. Uh, in what year? <laughs> this, this one's going to stump them too. Come on. No, I'm Sissy. going with the first one. In what year did Justin get his first excited moment? <laughs> well, since we're on the subject... It was 2005. It was 2007, and uh, Jamila was when you started speaking into the microphone. Well, thank you. I don't know which one to do. Both of these are going to stump Daniela. You know what? Uh, you can stump them a couple of times because we have three, four brewers up there, so okay. Okay. they can be stumped twice. Okay, okay. I'll start. With, I'll go with the first one then. In in the late 19th century, Miller Brewing was sued and stopped brewing a beer named what? What year? 
It did, in the late please 19th give the year. century. No, please give the specific year. They were sued more than once. Jimmy, like, you know, come on. <laughs> this, you guys know this. It was in the late night. They, they were brewing a beer. They had to stop calling that beer the name that they did. They were sued for calling it that, that name. Budweiser. That's correct. Jamil Zanishev, not they were calling stumped. it the king of beers. Not stumped. Yes. Wow, and 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 Sully even has the follow up to it. <laughs> okay. And by the way, uh, Sully, I do believe is on his way to drunk of the week, like I asked him to be. And him and Colin are battling. I'm working head, on it. I'm working head. on it. All right, this one's going to stump you guys. Sure it is. Colin, sure it will. If anyone's going to get you guys out of this, it's going to be the mad scientist. In what year was Eisenglass patented? Oh, <laughs> that would be. Gosh, I'm having a have a hard time pulling up the exact year. Can I give a hint? Yes, it, it was in the 1700s. That's what I was going to say. 17. It was the early 1700s, as I recall. No, I, I don't was pay any royalties. That's all I know. <laughs> in what year? And and it's an even yeah, number. I have no idea. It's even number. Even number. 17. 1680? Jamil's just, I mean, now, now Sully's just angry 1780. now. 1780. No, 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 no. It's, 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 uh, 17. <laughs> Jesus, you know, I think I might have. Oh, read we this need to get the internet o- up cannot, over here. I cannot. No, 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 no. 1760? Um, Jesus, I'm just guessing at this point. 1764. No, it's got to no, say 1780. Dr. Scott got it. It's 1760. 1760. Yeah, right. it's 1760. Uh, he was guessing. Amazing. I'm trying he to got remember. a lot of He's hints. Guessing. I'll tell you what, whoever asked that question gets the hoodie because yeah, we gave him a lot of hints. And uh, But Doc was right. 1760, uh, he took a little coaxing. Uh, do you know who asked that, Danielle? You have that down? And Okay, send uh, Daniela at the Brewing Network Center an email. You're going to get yourself a hoodie. Do we have any other uh, Stump the Brewer questions in there? Because we could keep playing a little bit here before we have to go. And uh, the reason we have to go is because there's a lot of beer on tap. And uh, That's Sean, it. Sean's still pouring beer, too. Sean Paxson is still giving us homebrew. What's that one that you're pouring there? This is your Saison? I'll have a little bit of that, please. Thanks, please. Go ahead, Danielle. All right. You guys are ready? Go ahead. What was the first brewery slash beer to be licensed after Prohibition ended? It's a good question. You guys should know this in your beer history. Well, they took their beer to uh, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Uh, yeah, it could be. Uh, well, that would be the 21st Amendment. <laughs> 21st Amendment. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And I think they had it in cans. <laughs> I'm okay, sure. uh, so did you notice we had to give women's rights to uh, get uh, brewing back? Is that what happened? Well, yeah. Oh, the, there's the downfall of the... the, the what is it? The 19th Amendment is women's rights. The 18th Amendment is prohibition. Are you saying that women gave us back beer? Uh, well, I'm just saying, until we gave them their rights, we didn't get beer. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. It kind of goes that way in the married household today as well. It's uh, it's very very much the same. Anybody know the, the name of the beer? Schmitz. Can I guess at this one? No, actually, I'll guess it. Okay. It's... Um, Go ahead. It's Falstaff. No, Danielle, is it Falstaff? No, it's not. I want to say, I want to say Billy Beer. No, <laughs> no. 
No? Because they sent a case to, uh, Rose, uh, to uh, was it Roosevelt? It was a to, Billy uh, Beer. They sent a case of Billy Beer to him. I'm not saying it was, it was the like first a, beer. Like a no, uh, you're reaching for stars right No, 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 no. They no. sent him a case of no, Billy I, Beer. I was just reading that. They took it, like a, when it came know, like a um, truck full of beer. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> What's the answer, Daniel? The answer apparently is FX Matt Brewery Saranac. No kidding. Mm-hmm. FX uh, Matt? You know, that really? was my next guess. See, there exactly. you go. Colin had that one. Yeah. You know what? That unfortunately didn't have enough yeah, mics. It didn't have enough mic space. <laughs> oh, FX well. Man has a, has a has a really long history that actually makes a lot of sense. And Dom and Don. Shadow Sullivan is uh, just making funny rabbit faces. You know what? At me. Everybody deserves a drunk of the week song, so okay. I think we should also sing it for Jamil. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we don't have the actual drum, song. Drum, just gonna drum, sing it. Drum, Wait till everybody's drum, ready then. All right, that's gonna be, and then we're getting out of here with that. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, to to Jamil Zanishev in honor of Jamil uh, because he was drunk of the week a few weeks ago and he didn't get his official song. Doctor Scott, you know how the tune goes. This I do. Uh, everybody, can I sing knows, it too? Every, yeah, we're all gonna sing it. Everybody knows the song. Please sing along. This is for Jamil. Uh, are we ready, Daniela? Let's do it, and then we're out of here. Let's do it. One, two, three. Drunk, 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 drunk of the week. Jamil is the drunk of the week. Thank you very much. Drunk, drunk, drunk of the week. Jamil is the drunk of the week. All right, listen, guys, we are getting out of here. I want to say a special thanks to Downtown Joe's for having us out here for the last three weeks. It's really been a good time. Thank you, Justin. A special thanks to uh, uh, our server, Casey, who's taken great care of us for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bartenders, Patty and Raina. And uh, there's one more, Colin, that I'm... I'm, uh, Serena? Serena. 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 Uh, You guys have really done a great job for us, and we appreciate it. The whole staff of Downtown Joe's, including Colin, has just been awesome to us. And we can't thank you enough. We'll be out again uh, probably in a couple months, eh, Colin? So um, drink all you want. I'll brew more. <laughs> That's right. Colin's going to keep on brewing. We're going to keep on he knows drinking. How. Uh, thanks to all the listeners for hanging out with us. And uh, I know it's a little bit different when we do the remotes, but thanks for hanging in there. And Strange but true. Strange but true. Hopefully we brought you some good stuff. Uh, next week we're back in the studio with John Palmer and uh, Jamil Zanishev are both going to be uh, covering. Doc covering will be there, too. And Doc's going to be there, which is going to be it's going to be good to have you back in the studio, hey, Doc. It feels good. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, thanks for coming out uh, all the way out to Napa. Always a good us. time. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it's like, it. It's like riding that beer bicycle. Happy Foshing, everybody. Um, just yeah. a fair warning, uh, the archive might not be up tomorrow morning. I don't know if we're going home. But you're not going so home. I think we're staying out here, and I'll see if I can find a way to make it happen for you. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great time, and uh, you guys are awesome. We'll see you uh, next week. Cheers. See ya. Yeah, Well, I'm the one right now.
bir nevre 